Well, 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 it's been two weeks, so you know what that means. It's time for another Fake Nerd Podcast, Mother Effers. What's up? It's episode 342. It's a beautiful Sunday morning for some people. Uh, I'm Ryan Leopolis. I'm joined by my best buds in the world all the time, always. Sparks Witty. Hey. Good morning, Ben. How are you today? It's technically still is morning. So yeah, it is morning here on the Fake Nerd Podcast. And last but not least, we got Brandon T. McClure. What's up, my friend? Good morning and salutations, everyone. It is another episode of the Fagner Podcast where we talk about movies, except we can't. So we're talking about a lot of other great things. Like TV shows. Like TV shows and video games, which is I'm yeah. very happy to talk about. TV shows we can't. Just kidding. Unless they're <laughs> in another country. <laughs> Bing bong. Uh, we'll we, are, we have uh, successfully navigated around many of the strike rules for a long time. Um, yeah. Speaking speaking of, though, these, uh, as I... As I as we talk, uh, the WGA and the AMPTP have met for their fourth day in a row uh, today. Uh, this is uh, part of ongoing negotiations. And I only bring this up because we will talk about the strike once again uh, t- uh, this week. But uh, as always, all the strike information is down in the links below. If you guys are interested in learning more about this struggle, why it's worth it, donating even, uh, donating is huge because once again, as people are saying, if the WGA strike ends today, which it can't because they have to ratify the contract before uh, it goes into effect. But um, if that happens, SAG will still be on strike, which means they will still need support. They will still need our support. Um, so uh, if you are if you are thinking about donating, you know, hey, it's never too late. Uh, these people, there are a lot of struggling uh a lot of struggling uh, entertainment workers out there, not just the ones that are on strike, but the ones who are impacted by the strike. So please, if you can, uh, donate. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the the new one in the description will is something we are going to be talking about a little bit uh, later today, a little bit later in the episode, which is a petition because uh, David Zaslav and Warner Brothers just can't stop being David Zaslav and Warner Brothers and uh, are refusing to acknowledge uh, Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network they don't have petitions usually. Uh, do we do we still have the Disney animation workers one in the links as well? Have we been mm. keeping that one around? It is not in this link. It is not okay. currently in the live show. It is not there, but it will be there as soon as we are done recording. Because uh, now I forgot. Basically, what it is is, uh, and as Brandon said, we'll get more into it. But Warner Brothers Animation has reached the same point that Disney Animation reached a couple months ago, where the amount of time where they were supposed to be recognized passed. So now they are getting a petition going of people saying like, you need to do this. You need to recognize them like demanding it. Yeah. Uh, So that is, that is linked below the petition there. And for you watchers after we're done the live, then it's there. The Disney one is there for you guys as well. Um, So yeah, but other than that guys, there's plenty of other links in the description as far as Mm -hmm. us are concerned. Um, No personal links. So no Dean Darks and no CBR uh, for the first time in many, many, many weeks. Uh, as I mentioned last time, I have left CBR. But Fickner Book Club released two episodes in the last two weeks. Uh, one which was Ben's pick, Gwenpool. Unbelievable Gwenpool. Believe it. Believe it. And uh, we have finally returned to the world of Wasted Space with Wasted Space Volume 4. Yeah! We are all really excited about that. So stay tuned for Volume 5 whenever we can get that one recorded. But Unbelievable Gwenpool was a lot of fun. So please check out both of those uh, in the links below. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad you all enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Uh, I was really like, I, I really like Gwenpool. Like, I don't mean to uh, dismiss Gwenpool real quickly, but like, I was so excited to be back in Wasted Space. I love Wasted Space. Oh, no, Wasted Space is great. It really is great. Um, uh, ben. Also, poop ton of archives. Oh, yes, a lot of archive stuff. I forgot to write it down, but it is, uh, guys, you can find the archive stuff. It, it, uh, it's easily accessible. Um, it's a two, like, two months worth of archives almost is basically what just happened oh yeah um, yeah no you're right because uh you know because you put up a a, a lot of, at, at a time um in bulk uh, really cool to kind of revisit our our book clubs by the been kind of revisiting our book clubs by the way our our, our old our old book clubs have been a lot of fun to be like oh yeah we did do that one all right i do remember that one. Oh yeah we did uh, do secret invasion already yeah yeah <laughs> We haven't had that yet, but we will. It will happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, remember. It's like, oh yeah, we did. I'm pretty sure we did. The day before. <laughs> the fun one. Ben. Yeah. Base Market Pause menu episode dropped. Yeah, it did. Uh, I sat down. That? Yeah, I do want to talk about that. So I sat down with a Twitch streamer, a friend of the show, and of course they are also a um, not only a video game collector themselves, but they own their own, but they manage and now own their own video game store. Um, their name is Eli. They go on the line, they go by Norman Bates Jr. Um, and it was just a fun conversation and how we got in contact with each other. I just found one of their videos or their TikToks that they posted up on Twitter. And it was about selling, you know, games that they loved growing up or some really important games of their collection, like some high dollar items in order to you know pay for bills because in the episode they talk about how they're um <laughs> I, the, the term i believe they used was medically complicated and they're mm -hmm. and it's okay i 100 get that um because you know stays some bills and a bunch of other things that can wrap up and you know that was something that hit me hard because when i saw that video i was also selling some games to try and get ahead of some bills i actually did, did some yesterday i sold some games to to not only try and save up a little bit for my big trip next year, but also to be ahead of some bills. Cause you know, it'd be like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it was just a good way to just sit down and talk and, and be like, what's the process of going through games. I'm like, you know, cause every, every person is different on how, on what games they want to sell. But also it was just fun to talk about working in a video game store, especially a independently owned mom and pop style shop and not a mega corporation like GameStop or Best Buy or anything like that. So it was really fun to get like a little bit of insight into the video game side of things. And it was, it was a great conversation. Highly recommend it. And I definitely need to have them back on the show again. Hell yeah. Very cool. Um, uh, Ryan, that just reminded me. Ryan, you just started selling some comic books, didn't you? Oh, I'm trying to. Yeah. If you guys want to buy some expensive comics that were signed by creators, com slash my name. Send me the link. I'll, I'll put it in the description. Sure. You guys want you got y'all y'all want all new Wolverine number one? You want you want superior Iron Man number one? I buy every number one in existence, so I will sell it to you. Um basement arcade regular. Mm -hmm. Uh basement arcade diet. No, I'm kidding. Uh basement arcade uh, Mortal Kombat eleven is, is still going through two episodes drop that one for part three and part four. Oop. We played that game. It's a great game. Loved it. I, I, uh, uh, because Mortal Kombat 1's release, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about Mortal Kombat just in general now. Um, I didn't realize that Mortal Kombat 11 was not this beloved game in the Mortal Kombat community. It's, uh, it's, 
specifically in the Mortal Kombat community, people don't like Eleven. And yeah. but I, I'm not a hardcore fighting person. I love MK1 or Eleven because it has lots of customizable options and like a lot of characters and like really fun story. But like for a fighting game person, they want a really great fighting game. And in terms of like MK1 is significantly a better fighting game in terms of just combos, the way everything connects, uh, just like the use of like technical stuff. Um, it is in terms of pure gameplay, it is probably the weakest of all the games, but I think it's still a great game. So that's very much a hardcore fighting game community thing. I love all the new Mortal Kombat games. I think they're all great. Um, but like the nitty gritty fight stuff, like no MK1, they really knocked that out of the park with this one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but really loved going through Mortal Kombat 11. I'm glad that mm -hmm. people are getting to see that now. I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn, and uh, most of the time I don't consult anybody about the title names, uh, and I'm particularly proud of part three and four. Do you know what they are? Um, I, I saw one of them. So part three it's is cage. It's a cage one. Part three is jaded from the past. That that one's funny. Yeah. Um, and part part four is the future is female. The future is female. That's what it is. I was it part two was like something is caged or something. I don't remember. No part that that was that was uh was that, was that, that 10? was back in ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love funny. Um, so, so yeah, please check those out. And uh, finally, in the description below, Animation Station, two episodes, Digimon Adventure Tri Part uh, 4 and 5, Loss and Coexistence. Um, so if you guys have been following the Digimon Adventure Tri Saga with myself and Ben, uh, that's that's uh, 4 and 5, the penultimate episode of Tri. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, really love doing those with, with you, Ben. It's been a lot of fun. It has. I really enjoyed it. Like I said on on the like I said when we were recording, if it wasn't for us doing animation station, I probably wouldn't have gone back and finished watching the Digimon movies because I had the last two. I just never saw them mm -hmm. until we yeah. start we started doing this uh this rewatch or these discussions of the entire film franchise. So it has it has been really fun. Also, it's just been fun to talk about Digimon again. I kind of miss that. Yeah, we go we go into a lot of um a lot of tangents about just. Digimon like um uh Digivolution lines being yeah. so weird and complicated and yeah there's a there's a new Digimon in the series called in this and try called Mekumon and we, there's a lot of discussion about her and her line. But one of the things that I think is so first off, I just want to say Lost, one of my favorite movies in the series. Uh Lost is a Sora-centric episode where Beomon uh is being a dick because of the because of this big reboot that happened in the digital world that all the Digimon lost their memories. And uh, so, so Beomon doesn't believe that Sora is her partner, um, and it's a great episode. Like it really, like really, like goes into like what makes Sora work as a character and um, her 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 loss, uh, as it were. Um, but it's, I really like it. There's a lot of great scenes there. Um, coexistence isn't the worst in the series. No, <laughs> it's down there. Hey, it was really wild when Cruel Angel's thesis started playing near the end of the film. It right, right. Coexistence is the Evangelion one. It's so weird. At the end of that movie, it just turns into an Evangelion film. And we and we spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out why. Yep. Okay. All right. Um because there's a Digimon called Ordenimon, which looks mm. like an angel from Evangelion. Uh it's it's insane. Anyway, um, really enjoyed that. Uh this reunion has been recorded not reunion future has been recorded as the final one in part and and, and try and then we're going to go to last evolution kazuna um unfortunately try does not end on a high note but it's a really fun conversation uh mm -hmm. it's been really fun to do i really enjoyed i really enjoyed doing them
uh, two things about that. Um, after five in a row recordings, Brandon finally did the intro and outro for Animation Station with confidence. So everybody like claps oh, Brandon. He, he finally nailed it. Um, <laughs> and it's really funny because in doing a lot of the book club archives, um, a uh, trivia question incoming in the future, friends. Episode 66 of the Fake Nerd Podcast uh, doesn't feature a book club, and I was scanning through it to figure out what it was, and it's just Brandon and I discussing things that we don't get to talk about a lot on the podcast at the time. One of the things is Try, and is Brandon saying, boy, I really hope they release those Digimon movies someday. Whoa! Five years later. What yeah. a full circle moment. Yeah. That's really funny. I didn't know that. Um, all right. Well, that's all the links in the description below. Um, I'm sure you're wondering where conversation is. I'm sorry. I haven't had a chance to edit it. It's coming. I'm, I'm thinking of doing something with, with the remaining conversation episodes. They will come out. I just, I'm, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about doing a, a, a special thing to kind of get them all going at once, but we'll see. Um, so stay tuned for more information on that one. But outside of that, that's all the links in the description. Please check them out. Uh, we we really love doing these things. Uh, we really like it when you guys check them out. Uh, we've had some pretty good feedback of, of a couple of the archive book clubs lately. Um, there's been some comments about some other things. So please keep the comments coming. We really appreciate all of that. It uh, really helps the algorithm kind of be like, oh, these guys are nice. And we're like, yeah, we are nice. Um, yeah. So with that said, who wants to go first with their week? I will. I ain't go got shit it. I can talk to you about. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so that is, is that it. <laughs> yeah, I, all all right. there's nothing I can talk about. I'll go next. Uh, I'm still playing all the games that I've been playing. Uh, Baldur's Gate Three continues to be fun. I've stopped playing Starfield. Um, um, I've played all of Mortal Kombat One, and I played about twelve hours of just just combat. Uh, game feels great. Feels great. Can't wait for us to play and kill one. How's the story? It's um, it's really good. Um, the ending is in- incredibly controversial. Some people truly hate it. Um. I think it's fine. I'm not in love with it, but I think it's a cool ending. It's not a great ending, but nine tenths of that game I really love. Okay. I will. I I'm I'm wrong. I have one thing I'll say, and I'm gonna make it really quick because I had a much longer conversation about it with Ryan. Um, I I finished the first season of Whitaker's Doctor Who. Oh, right. I can talk oh, about. Yeah. That. Um. And all I'll really get into is that I think that is an incredibly well-cast show with really great production value and a showrunner who probably had the wrong idea about what they wanted to do with the show. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm curious about that. uh, I'll say that, like, it's just... I think it probably would have been better if, for this showrunner... If it had just been, here's the Doctor, there is no consistent companions across the seasons, and just the Doctor goes places, has adventures. Like, you could have people involved with the Doctor across more than a single episode, but no more than four. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably would have done better. But as it's structured, uh, there's so many good elements, and they are very clearly held back by a showrunner who I think had a misguided direction for Doctor Who. What what do you, so you think that the, the 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 misguided direction was that he had a consistent companion or is there something else? No, it's that um, those companions are there, but they are not developing as characters. Oh, interesting. Okay. And um, like I, I've watched an entire season, and I think all of them have gotten about a single episode's worth of development. 
There's three and of there them, are aren't three there? Of them. Yeah, yeah okay. three companions. Yeah, it's a lot of screen time. So um, that's where I'm coming from. Like, but they do a good job of um, uh, when we are somewhere else and we're meeting new people at the adventure point. Those characters are pretty interesting, pretty quick, and we're only getting those characters for an episode, which is why I'm kind of like, I don't know. I feel like this is probably where the where the good stuff was is to just like make Whitaker our only like consistent person mm -hmm. and everything else just be and i don't know i think that would have been an interesting way to go about it is that like it is the doctor because here's the thing um Whitakers is the first doctor who i feel like could travel on her own for a bit and be okay she mm -hmm. has a personality who she exudes i feel like she doesn't need someone in the tardis and i think that could have been interesting for a while is just her ending up places and befriending people she encounters for the things she's doing, but not taking anyone with her. And I don't think that would have been a terrible way to go. Uh, but as it stands, um, I can feel a cast fighting a script that limits them. And that includes Whitaker. I can, I can kind of see the development that you're also talking from the little, what, what I know about Capaldi's final episodes. Um, it would be an interesting transition to have what him at the end of uh, of his regeneration transition into a doctor who is okay with tra with traveling alone. There is there is kind of an interesting arc there for for just the doctor overall. Yeah, there's there's um, Whitaker's just in a different a doctor in a different place, and I don't think it's like just who she is, but like the doctor's arc, as you were alluding to, as coming out of Capaldi. Mm -hmm. You could have you could have had a doctor who's kind of like pretty solid on their own for a while. I don't think it should be forever, but I don't even think it should have been the entirety of Whitaker's run necessarily. But I think you could have gotten away with a whole first season of her by herself. Kind of like the David Tennant specials when he was at the end mm -hmm. and he would just show up somewhere and like really get close to one person who's on that adventure. But then like it's just that adventure. Uh -huh. uh, I think you could have done or or when he does the Christmas specials and that happens, too. Um, you could have done the same thing here, and I think it would have worked. Yeah, Catherine Tate's first episode was basically that. Yeah, uh, I think I think you could have done, I think you could have done the same thing with all of Woodacre's first season, arguably, and I think it probably would have been stronger and a stronger entry point for her to find her foundation and her ground because, like, the script's not doing a lot to feed these other characters, these companions that are around her but they are there, so they have to talk. So they're eating up airtime and space from Whitaker being able to develop and establish her doctor. Mm -hmm. And if you just left her on her own on these adventures, I feel like by the end of the season, her doctor would have a very clear persona and, and presence. Three is a lot. That's a lot of companions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I'm going to bounce off of what Sparks was saying then, because I also watched some Doctor Who. Um, I'll, first, I'll just say I listened to some Doctor Who audio adventures, which uh, the, the last two David Tennant ones I had, which were David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Lovely. I love David Tennant and Catherine Tate together. Even in audio form, their chemistry pops so greatly. Um, I, I'm so... Uh, they're so good. There's one that's called Time Reaver, which is about a pirate planet that's being overrun by this... Not, it's, it's not a drug. It's a weapon. So if you shoot yourself with the weapon or you shoot someone with the weapon, time slows down for just that person and you experience how slow time is moving. So the idea is that the hopeful idea is that if you want to experience 
joy from having just just experienced this massive joy in your life you shoot yourself with this weapon and then you experience that joy for a decade and it's only a couple of seconds in real time but for you it feels like a decade um so and that's a really cool idea but obviously people are abusing it and using it as a torture device and the doctor has to figure out like why is this outlawed weapon work uh, over on this pirate planet it's a lot of fun and then the second one was this kingdom in the 17th century as being plagued by literal death like skeleton black robes whole thing death uh and donna is engaged to be married to the prince but then you realize that the deal that the deal that this kingdom has is that actually donna is engaged to marry death um and it's a it's a really what what? thanos what (laughs) oh sure uh it's a really interesting episode uh that's a really interesting uh, audio episode that has um a great new kind of not not companion but kind of what sparks is talking about like these new characters that pop up uh with hortense uh which is what's donna's made it's a great new character uh i really enjoyed that episode um yeah, uh, but I'll talk about. I finished Capaldi's. Uh, I finished Clara's last season, uh, mm. and I started Bill's first season. Mm. Um, so I'm two episodes into Bill's first season, well, only season, I guess. Um, I love where they end Clara. Mm. Yes, me too. It's I. I was kind of done with Clara by this point. Like to be fair, uh, to be to be honest with you guys, and I was like, you know, it's. Clara's, I kind of Clara's like outlived her, outlived her, out, outstayed her welcome for me. I'm kind of done with her. Um, but there's two episodes, Heaven, uh, Hellbent and Heaven Sent, which I th- I found were were very compelling. Um, yes. Uh, especially, I really liked Hellbent. I knew you would. This is the one I've been waiting for you to yeah. get to because oh, this sure. is the most this is the most anime thing to happen in Doctor Who. Um, yeah. I know you saw it at some point. Then minor spoilers for an episode of Doctor Who you will probably never watch. Yep. Um, no, Peter Capaldi. The clear, yes. total thing. I, I do enjoy Doctor Who, but yeah, when you guys talk Doctor Who, my brain kind of goes into a thing. But like when Brandon said Hellbent, the first thing I thought of was Hellbent, Hellbent for that. Do, 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 you know, the Judas Priest song? Yeah, okay. Anyway, Sparks, you were saying. Um, but cue in for this, Ben, because you'll like it. Uh, and okay. Brandon, correct me on specific details, but what's happening is that Capaldi's in this place where uh, this is just after he's lost Clara. And he is finding this uh, quartz, like quartz diamond wall, right? Yeah, it's, it's, to... it's not quartz, but it's like a diamond wall that, yeah. yeah. And, so, and so he needs a way to get through it and he has no way. And he realizes that he is being killed by a creature there and then restarting over and over, but the wall stays the same. So he's just going and finding the wall and punching it with his fist as hard as he can. And he's just doing this over and over and over and over and over. Uh, and it's it's just the most anime, like once he realizes the pattern of him, like giving a speech as he's doing it because he's ending up in the same moment repeatedly trying to get back to Clara. Uh, and you ooh. you have this you have this great moment where because you you're following the doctor and he's trying to figure out who's imprisoned him in this place what is this place uh what is this castle that he's kind of trapped in with this creature chasing him and he jumps there's a moment where he jumps out of a window and he sees uh skulls everywhere he's like okay so i'm not i'm not the only, i'm not the, the first prisoner here there's a lot of these skulls um and then and so the doctor slowly kind of starts to kind of piece it together because that's what he does 
Um, and when he when he sees the course thing, he starts telling the story. And so that story starts to permeate this long montage of the doctor dying and being reborn and dying and being reborn and dying and being reborn for four billion years. Doctor Strange. To and you start to notice that it's getting longer and longer because as he starts finishing the story slow slowly because he's because he's getting further away from the creature because he starts at a specific point and so as he's getting further away from the creature's point he's able to finish the story as he's getting closer to the end of it's incredible yeah it's incredible it's real good and then he ends up on gallifrey um which is the first time we've seen gallifrey since the 50th it's back. I'm I'm really glad you like that episode as much as you did because that that is one that like ever since I saw it I was like Brandon's gonna like this one. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, and the and they and so basically you, you learn basically like as as soon as he clocked it he realized what he can do he can end up on Gallifrey and save Clara. It was a specific thing that Time Lords can do, uh, which is pull people right at the moment of their death and and then put them back. Importantly put them back so that they die because their death is a, is a historical event that needs to happen. But the doctor's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to save her and she's just going to be fine. We're going to get away from her time zone. Gonna, everything's going to be fine. And I, and, and long story short, and I don't mind spoiling an episode of Dr. Who that came out almost 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, basically long story short, uh, he fails, but Clara and the Shielder, which is a character that was uh, introduced a couple episodes uh, prior, are are able to steal a TARDIS and kind of time travel into big finish episodes. So what I really appreciated about it is that at the end of at the end of Clara's season is that they're just like, why don't we go on to have some adventures? I'm like, oh man, big finish was just waiting for this. Like, oh we we got some Clara and the Shielder episodes coming. People love Clara, and that's Macy Williams, right? Yes, Macy Williams character. Yeah, Yeah. Macy Williams and and Clara leave. Yeah. Uh, and, he's an and they go on adventures with their own TARDIS because she's immortal and Clara can't. Clara um, only has a heartbeat left is basically how they describe it. Um, she yeah. has to go back to her timeline and die, but it doesn't matter how long that takes. It could be a million years by the time that happens. <laughs> right, exactly. But as, as long as she ends up in exactly in that place at that time, it's fine. The timeline's fine. Um, and Shielder is, such a, is also an interesting character that kind of pops up throughout the back half of her last season. Um, which it, which I really so I really like that uh, seeing that kind of character at different points in her timeline and there's this really interesting idea that she actually can't remember because her mind is only uh, can only accept a mortal lifespan not an immortal lifespan so she can't keep everything that's happened to her in her in her um, right. in her head I really I really enjoyed that stuff too there's some really really interesting episodes that I I, I was like oh man this is a really good stretch of episodes. And so then we watched the Christmas specials, which are the Husbands of River Song and the Dr. Mysterio episode, the Return of Dr. Mysterio. Yeah. yeah. And I really like both of those. I actually really like the Husbands of River Song. Uh, and River Song, again, was a character that I was just, I was just kind of done with. I was like, yeah. you know, there's not really anything here. But the Husbands of River Song is this episode where Capaldi, for the first time, meets River. And River has never seen this face before, does not think that he can even have this face because she doesn't know about the extra regenerations he got when 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 uh, when Eleven died. And so he's so he's so she's just assuming that this dude's an idiot and Peter Capaldi's having so much fun with it. There's a scene that I love where like River River like braces it was like about to steal a TARDIS and River like braces him and she's just like, OK, it's you're going to it's going to be weird. 
And then uh, Peter Capaldi's like, finally, it's my turn. And he walks into the TARDIS like, oh my God, it's bigger on the inside. He's just like <laughs> hamming it up like crazy. And it's so funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a great moment when River finally realizes that this is the doctor. And you, real, you realize pretty early that the reason why River has never seen, doesn't know about this face because this is the last face she sees before she goes to the library, which is her first episode that we see her in, in David Tennant. And it's tragic and it's beautiful. And I was really into it. And I, and I even, and then there's not much to say about the return of Dr. Mysterio, but I really liked that episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Justin Chatwin plays a superhero. Um, quite enjoyed that. You know, Goku. Goku. <laughs> And uh, and and I'll, uh, I mentioned a lot about Clara right now, but I'm going to mention a little bit about Bill. I really like her first episode. Mm. I, I thought her first episode was really good. Um, this the Doctor is for some reason kind of being oh Nardle. You told me I'd like Nardle. You're absolutely right. Nardle's great. I know. Yeah, um, Bill, Bill and Nardle. Bill and Nardle are a good companion team for Capaldi. I they really I think is they Nardle really ball guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they really caught magic between the second and third seasons with Capaldi. It's it's honestly one of those things where like, as I was going through the, all of it, I was like, just like, give him one more, like yeah. one more season. I, I would have like Capaldi got in his jam with seasons. Two I really and three. like Capaldi. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Capaldi too. And, um, and Nardle, it's really, it's really nice. Not, not necessarily having someone who is on the doctor's intellectual level, but who's also an alien. Yeah. Uh, travel with the doctor and that's what makes the kind of like the the banter between the two of them is because like Nardle is kind of on his level a little bit that he can right. he can he can kind of banter with the doctor in a way that a companion can't really because the companion always is kind of learning um and that's not the case with Nardle. and i really appreciate that bill's first episode is wild she goes from the past to the future to the chasing being chased by uh jet uh spaceship jet fuel that sentient that was his that was like this girlfriend that she really wanted the girl that she really wanted to date really fun really liked it wasn't too crazy about her second episode if i'm honest but uh i really like her as a companion and i really like the setup of the season i really like Nardle. i really like apaldi anyway so like i'm so i'm i'm really excited to be in this last season um yeah yeah i think you're you're in for you're in for some really high highs and a couple of lows yeah i'm sure but but most more highs than lows i think it's it's nice to know and i even said like when i watched like the time the the twice upon a time episode which is his final episode which i've seen i've seen that prior um but i i really like um i i really i really think that capaldi anyway goes out on a high note and it's nice to know that the season kind of reinforces that um the season prior uh there is one thing that i that watching twice upon a time i didn't understand now i have context for which is interesting because sparks you texted me is like so wild that let's watch this episode without context is that the doctor doesn't remember clara Mm -hmm. clara wipes his mind of her of her completely almost completely and his final episode the twice upon a time episode give he's able to get that back he's get, be, been given that memory back and i didn't clock that was what was happening i didn't clock that context so it's really yeah. interesting uh, not finally having that context and kind of recontextualizing that idea in this beautiful way of being gifted the memory of this person that he has forgotten right yeah all right i'm done with talking about doctor who um there's plenty more things i wish i could talk about but ben i'm sure you've yeah. got something uh actually no i don't right, really then. 
of uh, like oh, yeah. nerd wise, ner- uh, fun nerd stuff wise. Not really like the only thing I could really kind of talk about, but still not really because I'm still working on it. Is I just got these two big assignments from Old School Gamer Magazine that I'm really excited to be working on. Yeah. Um, and also I reached out to my editor for one of the for one of the pieces to, or one of the people I'm talking to to be on um Base Arcade Pause Menu. So he not only gave me the go ahead, he also was like, "Where's my invite to the show?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, you can come on the show. That I absolutely love it." So. Basement, look forward to more awesome Baseball K Pause menu episodes in the future. And uh, the only other thing is that I went to Frankenstein yesterday and I didn't spend any money. I walked out with money and I didn't spend anything, but the temptation was there because as all three of you know, I'm trying to, I'm, well, I'm not trying, but I'm now really into the Pokemon trading card game. A new set just came out. It's the Pokemon 151, so it's it's the current standard format, but it's celebrating the original 151 Pokemon that we all know and love. And as much as I wanted to get some booster packs, uh, Elite Trainer Box that has that that comes with really cute Snorlax card sleeves and and all this other stuff, I resisted and I walked out not buying anything but i got some good cash for like i said bills and also to save up for the big trip next year and then ben is it's it's quite funny that that we talk about all the things that we do in a week and ben is the one here's what i didn't do yeah here's what i did do i did not spend money on shiny cardboard that's been an adult Uh, yeah yeah yeah, but uh, i mean it's less fun though it is it is a little fun but uh, i mean i was able to hang out with um with one of my best friends yesterday he's getting married in december and we were just hung, hanging out it was it was a good time it was a good time just to relax and and just hang out and have and just just be with friends for a day which was nice Very cool. and then i played some more video game stuff with these two later on in the evening and that was also fun and spooky spooky, spooky. which you'll see soon uh all right so i guess that means that we go into our bread and butter shall we that's what we do yeah and butter it's so delicious ben didn't get up early enough to have breakfast no no i didn't after we're recording i'm gonna probably get myself breakfast but that it's just gotta be lunch sure i appreciate you guys vamping during that um all right we have uh some strike updates uh strike 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 um there there's there was a couple of things that were not that we can we're gonna briefly mention that like you know some the talk shows were all coming back one week and then they all changed their mind the next week yeah uh importantly well not not bill maher um he did change his mind he's not coming back oh did he yeah he he changed his mind he made a big tweet about it like look how cool i am that i'm doing this what a cow yeah yeah uh (laughs) bill maher is a dick dick. Yeah, yeah he's a dick it all the the big floodgates all opened because of Drew Barrymore, and they all closed again because of Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, kudos to her, like for doubling down in an apology video, then deleting it and saying, "You know what? I my, am wrong. My bad." Um, it's what you want. You want people to actually like listen and and learn. So yeah, yeah. Uh, her apology video was painful to watch. Just... Wasn't good. Um, that and the Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis thing coming back close close Can to each even, other was real rough. I can't even begin <laughs> with that one. Wait, what happened? Um, 
Don't worry about it. That's a separate. That's a whole other whole other thing, Ben. We'll talk about it off air. Cool. We'll tell you when you're older. Um, all right. But a couple of things have happened. Now, the importantly, uh, we are actually not talking about any updates that have happened with the uh, in regards to the WGA deal because we don't know anything. Um, rightfully so. There's a press blackout that both the WGA and the AMPTP are well, they're still being dicks about it. But well, I mean, Daddy, um, you're fighting. Well, no, they're not. The AMPTP is still leaking stuff, but they're being a little bit more respectful about it uh, than they were last time. Um, but they are meeting behind closed doors, as we, as I mentioned earlier today, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, they are currently meeting to discuss the quote-unquote best and final offer uh, that the AMPTP has Damn given it. them. It's crazy that movies just don't, aren't going to exist anymore. Crazy. I know, right? Final <laughs> offer, movies just are done. Wild. It's, it's, it's bold to take that stance because... If slash when inevitably um, they have to kowtow to because I'm sure them saying final offer almost certainly implies that they are not giving them everything they're asking for. And we yeah. know what the writers are asking for and that what they're holding on to. Mm-hmm. And if it's not there, then guess what? Negotiations are going to continue. And so it's a real egg on their face when it's not the final offer. Mm-hmm. Um, the memes that have come out of this were really funny. Uh, a lot of writers being like, oh, yeah. Uh, best underscore final underscore offer use this one or final final capitals volume four use this one like because like there's no such thing as a final draft oh god just give me all the flashbacks to my audio projects in college even my scripts like use this one like that one like (laughs) blew me back to college anyway um but so uh as of now a deal has not been the the deal has not been uh signed it we've heard that lawyers were coming in the amptp has been has been putting stuff in the in the trades because that's what their pr firm is telling them to do um it's really scummy but don't listen to any of it wait for the wga to come out with a statement the only statements that the wga have have had were we met today we are meeting again tomorrow that is the only important information that you need to know at this point um so so i i as always wait for the wait for the union to um, say whether or not this is happening. I will say uh, that I'm really glad that they are going to the negotiation table with the writers right now, because mm-hmm. there was a, I think, a legitimate concern that they were going to go for this for the actors first mm-hmm. um, and try and get them on a deal first, even though the writers have been striking longer, because just the same reason as we've talked about with directors, like writers are considered like even the lower tier, tier work. Uh, than the actors are and so clearing the actors on a deal they would have attempted to like hopefully not have SAG out there backing WGA still Um, Mm -hmm. that's what they would have hoped for and that's what a lot of people were nervous about is that that's how they were going to try and weaken uh, the writer's resolve so it's really cool uh, that we at least know that they're negotiating with the writers first right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently the CEOs of the studios were actually in the room, which was, which was rare. That's not happened before. Um, piss them off. Kind of piss them off. They had, a, which, they had to go to work. Which, uh, which, uh, you know, shows their, the, to their credit does show their resolve in finding a deal that will, uh, that will be good for, well, hopefully good for everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with that. But um Whatever deal this, whatever deal, if this is a good deal, then SAG-AFTRA, you know, they'll they'll probably want a similar one because you know the the concerns are similar, not the same. Um, 
to be easier to get there. But uh, one thing, one last thing I'll say, and then I'll let Sparks, Sparks chime in, is that um, the WGA will still be on the picket lines with SAG uh, should yes. this deal go through and the strike is over. So. Right, as they should be. And that's the thing is like, no, everyone kind of had already heard the WGA say much to that effect before, but SAG as a union had not necessarily said, we'll be out there if the riders don't get their deal. Um, yeah individual pockets within the union have been supporting the WGA once they went on strike, even before SAG went on strike, that had been happening, but mm -hmm. that didn't mean that as a union, they were going to be supporting the other union. Um, so it's really great that they're showing that kind of solidarity and everything. Um, mm -hmm. I also just want everyone to keep in mind that the reason why the uh, CEOs are panicking and why they're trying to say final deal, it has to happen now um, is because we are just a little bit away from October 1st. Yep. Which is Q4. Q4. <laughs> so they want those Q4 earnings calls to look real nice. Yeah, they do. Um, we got a week. But uh, we'll so we'll see we'll see what happens there. But again, don't uh, don't believe anything that you're getting from Deadline or Hollywood Reporter or CNBC. Uh, they are Friday. They are owned by uh, most of those are owned by the companies that those CEOs run uh, and are being put in being given leaks from a crisis pr firm that we've talked about before so I've you never, want to definitely I've never wait for the so wga quick, yeah i've never so quickly lost so much respect for like high title journalism as i did <laughs> for variety and the hollywood reporter through this where i watch them put out things and i'm like this is just this is just wrong this is yeah. just blatantly wrong cool cool that as long as like the people up top who are paying for it pay enough for it you're gonna lie yeah uh great to know about big big name journalism it's really funny again like just going on twitter like the discussing film <laughs> journalism rise of like we're gonna actually take things seriously and describe everything in real detail and we're never gonna support the assholes up top and i'm like wow you guys are just a twitter poster and you are killing it you're you are gonna like everyone who like all the big movie people like follow that thing follow like they, they have like a like a lot of subscribers so like the fact that just some random dude is like actually keeping everyone in, in, in line and like variety in the Hollywood Reporter, like no, we love the big studios. I'm like solidarity, I, bro. Come on. I mean, that's the thing. Where you know that was kind of the issue that these these publications that these people shouldn't own these publications. You shouldn't own yeah. all 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 the means of. You shouldn't own the news as well as the the the, the it's, it's the making. It's dumb. Anyway, um, uh, I think that I have one last thing I want to say about that. Oh, um. No, it's gone. All right. Anyway, um, let's move on, though, to uh, some some nice things, because Steven Spielberg and his wife, Kate Capshaw, have donated uh, donated one point five million dollars to the uh, to the entertainment fund, entertainment community fund, which is yeah. helping uh, workers. Really great. A temple of temple of doom money. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane donated five million dollars. Oh damn! God, what a what an awesome man! He really is the Family Guy. God, he's our American dad. He really is our Orville. <laughs> Captain Ed Mercer. Um, actors, writers, and directors are also collaborating on a charity auction uh, on eBay, with proceeds going towards helping crew members whose healthcare benefits are currently at risk during the strike. So the memes cool. are the memes made out of that have been so funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, some of the real ones are also really funny. Yes. But then like the fake ones are like, somebody will come and just yell at you for an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The same day that 
that uh, uh, Drew Barrymore decided to say that she's going to protect her workers by going back to work uh, and scab was Quinta Brunson, who was the creator of Abbott Elementary. She, she and other cast and producers of Abbott Elementary launched a fund to provide support to the show's production crew. So all the all the people who couldn't work anymore uh, are getting paid. Hell yeah. I love that. Gee, gee, who knew it was that easy? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, we're on a strike. You're not getting paid. Even, Don't worry. Even, this is the thing that really bugged me about Drew Barrymore. Even Fallon was paying his, his cast and crew out of pocket. And we know that man's a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, love, lovingly, Fallon's only doing it because all the other late night people are doing it. And he knows he'll get like run down if he uh, is the one who isn't. I could, um, didn't, if I may about Fallon, didn't something come out about him like just recently about how yeah. his he has a, like a really bad workplace environment? Like he, yeah, he's a, a piece of. I believe we talked about it uh, last time, but I don't know if you were. On I don't think you were on, but we talked yeah. about it. Like, yeah, he's 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 kind of douchey. Uh, like, no one's surprised. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of Drew Barrymore, I think that like what I think what we saw happen is that she was told by so many people in the creation of and execution of her current talk show that she has become so authentic, so yes. connecting to the regular person that she believes she had actual understanding and optics of what regular people are going through. And realistically, unfortunately, Drew Barrymore does not. Yeah. Um, she's born into money. She's languished in privilege her whole life. Um, she, I'm not saying she's a bad person. I think her intentions were good. I just think that she had very different optics about what her place was in relation to everything than what is reality. Yeah. What was the quote from Jurassic Park? From Jurassic Park Two, uh, some of the some of the worst things in the world have been done with the best of intentions, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, VFX workers, uh, we know, have been trying to unionize, especially at Marvel and Disney. Marvel Studios VFX workers have unanimously voted to uh, voted in favor of unionizing. This does not mean they have officially joined IATSE, but this is the first step. They just need to be recognized. So expect the petitions soon. Yes, I was going to say, uh, ex expect like uh, a lot of this, especially for the visual effects workers. Um, I think this is going to linger for a while, too. Yeah. Um, we We hope, I think, I'd like to believe that at least the writers, maybe the actors too, when their strikes are over, will champion um, the works of the animation and visual effects workers and say like, also lend their voices to saying like, you need to recognize them because they're not at um, strike level because they're not unionized, but they are at a point where like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of legal loopholes to avoid recognition um, and the studios are using them. Uh, and it's, it's, they can't legally say no, but they can draw out saying yes for a very, very long time to the point where they're hoping to break the spirits of people who want to do it. Um, and so hopefully we're going to see more people in the industry lending their voices to them as well. Um, but for now, when the petitions come up, sign them. Um, we, we really like our animation and visual effects workers and they deserve a lot better treatment than they've gotten for, decades mm -hmm. yeah um adam conover had a great video recently um with talks about the the fall of strikes essentially um how strikes used to be you know there were 400 strikes in a year at one point because everyone was in a, in a union and things were great and then union busting tactics in in the 80s and 90s started to really affect 
um, who could be in a union, uh, things like that, uh, and and how that kind of affected down to just down to like, I think the number of of like uh, before the pandemic was like forty strikes, or maybe it was even less. Um, but it, it's uh, you know these these uh, union busting tactics are there, and you see it all the time, especially on Twitter with people being like, nobody likes the unions. Unions are outdated. Unions um unions are affecting other 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 people why don't you think like that's that's all propaganda that has been fed to people through the media that is controlled by people who don't like who didn't want unions and we really need to and what's been really great to see about quote unquote hot labor summer going into a uh, kill em fall um is that what we're seeing is that people are realizing that we have been complacent too long. And what I've really loved seeing about the only thing that I believe that was great about coming out of the pandemic was that people have realized their worth. You know, you don't tell people they're essential workers for four years, risking their lives, uh, 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 flipping burgers, and then go back to telling them that they aren't worth anything. No, those people are worth way more than the people who are controlling the than the people who are controlling the money and it's time we got our bag it's time yeah. they got their bag and that's what and that's what's been really great seeing about this I, all these strikes all these unionization efforts like it's 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 we we're that finally feels like there's there's change on the horizon and good change about it too uh, it's it's a little outside the wheelhouse of what we usually do, but um, I, I'm really pleased that right now, like when you look back at this year, there's going to be the, obviously the writer and actor strikes are going to be a prominent feature of talking about what happened in the labor movement. Also, very importantly, the Teamsters winning before they even had to strike against UPS. That's yep. always going to be a big landmark one. But the other one that's happening right now that happened over these last two weeks is that those three gigantic auto worker industries went on strike mm-hmm. and uh that's monumental that is uh for for the broader labor movement that is just as big as what's happening with the writers and the actors that's high profile because of the celebrityism and the pop cultureness of it but the auto worker industry that's massive mm-hmm. that's yeah. a massive massive strike movement mm. um speaking of animation though let's move on and, uh, and- Sorry, real quick and real quick, if you were paying attention, you're watching the CEOs of those industries make the exact same blunders that Iger and Zaslav were making at the beginning of these ones. They're going out there and they're they're saying all the wrong things and they're not sure what to do or how to handle it. And they look terrible and people are talking about them and they're scared. Social media has been such a great invention for uh, unions because, you know, if look, this happened in 2007, 2008, you know, I'm guilty of this also i used to say oh the 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 writer strike of 2007 2008 ruined heroes i blamed the striking workers then because that's all i really knew i didn't understand i'm older i understand i've been on social media i see the unions i see how they're talking i see how the industry works the unions are talking directly to the people whereas the studio where the studio ceos are still talking through news outlets saying news outlets that they own saying all this propaganda to try to get people on their side, but it's not working anymore because, because the, the unions are talking to the people. They're talking directly at us saying, this is why that's bullshit. This is why that has always been bullshit. Right. And, and people are recognizing uh, similarities in their work environments or work environments they've been in where they're like, 
yeah, this is how it's going. It's like, oh man, I believe that because that's how yeah. it's going at my work mm-hmm. or or that's how it's been at places I've worked. And so when you see that, you you realize like, no, that's definitely the same bullshit in just mm-hmm. a different pond. I mean, it's what Sean Gunn said, like right, right on the picket line. Well, it wasn't saying anything new where it used to be that the, the CEO to the lowest worker was like 40 to one. That's pretty acceptable, right. honestly. Now it's 400 to one. That's yeah. not acceptable. No. Right. So that needs to be changed. And that's going, that's not the film industry. That's everywhere. That's mm-hmm. every industry. And that needs uh, to change. And one last note on the auto worker thing. Um, you know that like the labor movement's really hitting a high point now because um, Biden hasn't gotten involved or done anything like none of the high profile um, political representatives have regarding the uh, writers or actor strike. But Biden is going out for the auto worker strike. Oh, yeah. He's going yeah. out there to show his support for their labor movement. That's That's also huge. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anyway, so as we talked about up top, the animation, uh, animation studios, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, uh, and uh, Warner Brothers Animation and Cars Network Studios, they um, they are due. They they should join tag. They 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 most likely will. Um, but as Spark said, that uh, Zaslav and Warner Brothers are using um, loopholes within the labor laws to make to to delay it. Um, so the the petition is down below. Please sign it. Um, and I will have the Disney one uh, down below as well soon. Um, but yeah, it, it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, Warner Brothers Animation uh, is some of the best television animation that there is, um, oh bar yeah. none. Um, they've gone through a lot of shitty stuff with the mergers and a lot of projects getting canned or reworked or canceled. Um, and they need desperately um support and they deserve it because they make incredible material um frankly i think they are more the centerfold of television animation uh than anything else uh that's out there i don't even think disney can compete with their television animation their division's just not putting out the the amount of variety and content and um bringing in the same amount of workforce as what uh warner animation has been doing between its streaming service and Cartoon Network um, and Adult Swim. Two of my favorite shows of the year uh, are Warner Bros. Animation animated shows. One of them is currently on. Yeah, uh, really, really incredible stuff. There, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people who work there, and uh, it's a, the the animation industry as a whole is in a really bad spot right now. So, mm. uh, if you care about these things, please go sign sign the Disney Animation one as well. They deserve it just as much. Um, Every all of them, all all the animation workers deserve it. So, mm-hmm. uh, whenever there's the opportunity, go support. And this goes for the visual effects workers as well. When that inevitably comes up, we need to support them too. Tag is not a powerful union, unfortunately. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, anime studio, animated studios, and, and it's weird. It's kind of wild to think that some of the big anime, the biggest animation animated studios in the world, aren't part of Tag. But Tag can get stronger if uh they if they do this and uh the wga has already said that um right now writers and animation belong to tag and don't belong to the wga they want to fix that the wga wants to bring those writers into the wga which will be huge for those writers great protections for them um and and hopefully if tag can get all these big studios into the into their numbers it can give them the leverage that we're seeing <clears throat> with sag aftra and the wga that they can fight for better wages, fairer wages, <clears throat> and if need be, go on strike to get yeah. it. Um, there's a lot of 
like chatter uh, that if if the Disney Animation Group gets recognized, you're going to see almost immediately on the backhand um, because they just don't want to have to deal with the fight because the, the thing is that all the workers under the company are pretty happy there. I'm going to be referring to Pixar. Pixar will get in there just to buoy more support. Um, but they want to slide right in under the recognition. That's that's some of the chatter going on. But if you get Disney animation, odds are that Pixar comes like immediately after. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about it before, but uh, the working conditions that were that were for Across the Spider Verse um, were only able to happen because the studio that did Across the Spider Verse was not part of Tag. And no. again, like you know that that's how these people find loopholes. And if they if that if that is no longer an option for studios. Then things that we saw with Across the Spider-Verse, um, a great movie, but, you know, the working conditions are, were horrific and we'll see that change. And it's really important that we do. Again, don't believe, I see this all the time on Twitter, don't believe the propaganda that unions are worthless or, or, or outdated. They're not. They're the only people that are protecting you from the people who want to exploit you. Yeah. Um the ceos don't give a shit about you they never have the unions do and that's right. really important don't believe in that propaganda please it's really important yeah and it's it's partially the dearth of like good places to go because so much animation isn't unionized yeah and so many jobs aren't protected that like they have to work under those conditions because the other option is just not working yeah because yeah. like it's just it's just so pervasive and like that everywhere but if it, it it also increases the competitive market if if more animation places are unionized and able to do that then that means that there are better jobs out there so other places have to either treat their workers better or allow the unionization as well yeah uh the vfx workers have mentioned this many times it's a race to the bottom because none of them are unionized so you find the lowest bidder and the lowest bidder is often peanuts yeah, because that's how low they're willing to go to get a job. Mm -hmm. But if they unionize, if they're all unionized, that's not that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, this is kind of strike related. Um, strike adjacent because Amazon Prime Video is raising their prices. Um, they're going to be adding an ad tier uh, and will be raising their price to $17.99 um, for the ad free tier. Um, basically, this means that all the main, all the streaming services now have ad tiers and none of them uh, are paying residuals. Yeah. Cause right. Netflix has one now, right? Mm -hmm. Netflix has one now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I I'll think do. everybody. Yeah. So uh, basically well done. You've invented cable and pay your residuals. Yeah. You, they reinvented cable. That you're was... getting you're getting your ad revenue now. The ad revenue is where most of your money came. It was where most of the cable money came from anyway. Yeah. Uh, now you're making the the ad revenue. Pay the residuals. It's that easy. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'm glad we've solved this, guys. That, seems that easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and you could and you could argue that like a lot of the like Amazon's doing this because Amazon's prepared for the fact that they're going to have to. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. and that, that because Amazon hasn't Amazon hasn't raised their prices in a long time. I don't remember the last also, time we talked about Amazon, Amazon Prime is, raising their prices. They're one of the few. They're, I think they're one of two profitable streaming services at this point. 
Also, uh, Amazon Prime isn't just their video. You get Amazon. That's why they're that's yeah. why they're profitable, right? That's the, so, that's why uh, Apple. Yeah. It's it's Apple TV Plus and Amazon <laughs> Prime Video because those aren't their main businesses. So they're mm-hmm. very profitable because they can funnel money into it from their other more lucrative businesses. Yeah. Um, does Apple so, TV have an ad tier? I don't think it does. No, it so. doesn't. You're right. Oh, it's just no. like a one time. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, they're yeah. the good ones. So Apple's Apple's slowly become the best. <laughs> Um, pay, yeah. pay your people it's because they have the money they can just do that yeah uh oh, yeah. but yeah uh amazon i'm not i'm not surprised and i'm not even other than like i want them to pay the residuals and everything i'm not even that mad because again like they haven't done a price hike in a long time a lot of these other ones have been doing price hikes every pretty year. frequently yeah um but mm-hmm. amazon hasn't done it for a while so the fact that they're tacking on a three dollar to have an ad tier i'm like no this isn't surprising and if and if it is just a preparatory tactic knowing they're going to have to pay residuals i'm like fine yeah. as long as you're paying them i don't care yeah um big news happened for this for the striking workers is that the california senate has approved an un, uh, a bill that will allow striking workers to uh get unemployment benefits massively important huge yes. huge huge yeah and this can happen in other states now oh yeah yeah um if you uh unemployment became uh, a really important i mean unemployment has always been an important um uh, uh, thing, but uh, during the pandemic, uh, they were able to funnel a lot of money into unemployment for people who are out of work um, to be to be paid uh, uh, while 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 their jobs were off. And uh, I I benefited greatly from it. And um, at the, at this up until now, striking workers could not uh, get unemployment benefits, um, but now they can, and that's going to be so great. Like if you're like one of the biggest reasons why people don't go on strike is because they're worried about their income and rightfully so they should be like, you know, it's tough. Um, But now taking that out uh, like off their plate. Oh my God. Oh my God. You guys Uh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. All right. That's all the strike stuff. That's really all we know. Um, Who knows? Maybe tonight the strikes will be, the strike will be over and we'll, talk about it again but we'll see um so let's move into some other fun stuff shall we yes all right um so a couple of audio adventures were announced uh the past couple weeks one is called slayers a buffy story there's gonna be a new audio series coming to to audible um the entire the well I don't think the entire cast is coming back but they should say that everyone who's involved is from the original cast so like you know probably sarah michelle geller anyway this is um this is going to follow spike 20 years after the series finale of buffy the vampire slayer um and so the original cast are reprising their role so whoever's in this will be is like you know probably Alyssa hannigan um obviously james marsters will, will be the lead but yeah uh i thought this was kind of cool uh more buffy versus is, is kind of is kind of fun especially in audio format i'm I'm really into audio dramas because of doctor who like i really like the idea of doing like continuing stories in audio formats because you don't have to worry about uh actors aging out of a role um so this i thought i just thought that was really cool coming out October 12. yeah i wonder uh what amount of the comics are canon to this event i was thinking the same thing i don't think much well, you gotta imagine like all of After the Fall, right? The Angel one, yeah, probably. I mean, otherwise, how is Spike? You got you gotta like explain how Spike's there because 
<laughs> they went into hell at the end of the show. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, no matter what, the, the end of Buffy, the end of Angel season five, they're in hell. So either that comic is canon or it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to to hear this I, again. Like, I, I I think you should just do more audio adventures. Like, I've been I've been screaming at the top of my lungs that that Star Trek should do these uh, more. Like, um, you know, you I, I think. Um, I I I think a great idea would be to like collect the 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 T, the TOS cast that you've done on on Strange New Worlds and just put them in audio format and have them do just Star Trek adventures as those characters. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, get back yes, to the original TNG. Uh, yes, Brandon has champion championed this on a fake nerds watch you haven't listened to yet. Oh yeah, well also on Twitter. If you follow my Twitter, I've said it a few yeah. times. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, but there's also a, a new one, a new one coming up on Spotify uh, for Batman. It's called The Riddler: Secrets in the Dark. Uh, they've and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because they've cast Coleman Domingo uh, from Sandman uh, and a lot of other things um, as Batman. Um, cool. You guys, oh, you guys, please look up Coleman Domingo because you'd be more excited about this if you. No, I know who he is. I know I, who I, he I, is. I, I'm just like there's like seven other Batman adventures I haven't listened to yet. I'm 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 hoping this uh I'm hoping that he has a um stronger take on the character than the only other Batman audio adventure I listened to which is the one with Winston Duke. Yeah. Where I think a lot of the audio cast I not and I thought Winston Duke was giving it, but his Batman didn't work for me. His Bruce Wayne did, but his Batman didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he um uh him, Jeffrey Wright, Winston Duke. Um it's really cool that the three audio Batman are black men. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really. I think that's. I just thought that was really cool, and I and I wanted to bring it up because I just. I just. It's cool. I, I, all right. Anyway, coming out October tenth on Spotify. Okay. Um. Comic book news. I like. I. I. It's my time to talk. Uh, Alan Moore. Uh, was in the news this week because he had asked DC to send all of his royalty checks for films and TV shows, which he is entitled to. He gets royalties from these things anyway, whether he likes it or not. Um, uh, but he's asking them to send them to Black Lives Matter rather than his home address. Um, yeah. he, he said, I quote, I don't really feel with the recent films that they have stood by what I assumed were their original principles, end quote. Yeah, um, I love Alan Moore. I'm, I'm, I have multiple Alan Moore tattoos, so like, I always respect his opinion on on the, the way that his work has been either properly adapted or horribly adapted. Uh, Cause I consider him probably the greatest comic writer of all time. And he doesn't just write regular comics. He writes like pieces of art. So like when you translate that into shitty movies, I understand getting mad about it. Yeah. Um, like I understand him not wanting to be involved in Watchmen, the TV show, which I do think is an incredible show. Um, but like, Damon Lindelof sent him a letter before the show started, started and it was really like, Hey, what's up? I'm the guy who's going to mess your show up. Hey, I have a great idea for it. And I was just like, really gross and thank god that show turned out good but like it was him trying to get like approval from alan moore and alan moore is never going to want to talk to anybody about adaptations about anything uh so like uh the fact that he's like i don't even want your money give it to a, an organization that actually like matters i think that's incredible alan moore's <clears throat> a great guy stop asking him questions about watching there's a lot of things he could have chosen the fact that he chose black lives matter is just it, it's just a really cool optic absolutely like, where where he sits and what his like opinion and current like take on where culture is at right now and more than anything, not necessarily that like he learned something he didn't know, yeah. but the fact that he is like, I I see where I think this should go most importantly, um, in a sense of like under understanding 
that where it can be most valuable and what he feels is like one of the most important social issues that we're facing in the country. And I think that's just really cool. Yeah, he's a great, he's that that's where he directed it. Yeah, he's like obviously an incredibly like liberal person. Like he's very much about all people. So like you see it in his work. Um, If you, the thing is like, he'll never like an adaptation no matter how good it is because he's been burned by DC. Um, It's, it's not, Damon Lindelof's fault or Zack Snyder's fault in his mind it's DC's fault um because Watchmen the deal with Watchmen was that it was going to go back to him should it be out of print for a certain amount of time and yet and DC has never let it go out of print in fact they've they have they have made it to the they have done it to the point where it will never go back to him because of Doomsday Clock and how they've handled Rebirth and things like that um and he's pissed and rightfully so they screwed him me too um he should and he should um and he should absolutely feel 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 as upset he is and as burned by the comic book industry as he is because the the work for hire contracts that when he was working there awful and they're even they're not that great now uh so not at all so it could be so so like it's really cool that instead of just like you know we'll talk about this again with the next with this next bit of news but like put your money where your mouth is right like i i don't I don't, you guys all suck. I don't want anything to do with you. Don't even give me my money. Yeah. Don't even give me, don't even give me the money you owe me. Just, t- just put it, put it where it will actually do some good, which is here. He's been a it's- prolific writer for almost 50 years. So at this point he doesn't need more money. So it's really mm-hmm. cool that he's like, yeah, I don't need this. Give it to, give it to an organization that like can actually use it. Uh, yeah. It's incredible. It's like that meme where it's like, I will pay you a hundred dollars to F off. Yes. And he's, okay. he's telling DC to F off and give his money to, to other people so i'm like i don't want to be yeah. associated with y'all anymore yeah yeah i mean it, it 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 is that like he he's just so the reason why he you know you see him do like his master class the reason why he's got this like era of the of a crotchety old man is not that he is a crotchety old man it's because we keep bugging him about oh but do you like the dame of lindelof watchman oh but what about the new league of extraordinary gentlemen tv series? no he doesn't give a shit yeah. Stop asking him about so you. I bet you you ask him about the stuff that he's actually passionate about, the stuff that oh, he yeah. loves. He'll he'll glow, but we I, don't. Yeah, just, we I keep trying to get these. Up. We treat. We keep trying to get these like these like clickbait shit from him, and that's why he's yeah. so bitchy, and yeah, rightfully uh, so. Uh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. I retweeted something that that he talked about uh, how he met a demon once uh, yeah. when he was on drugs. And it's like one of the most like elegantly poetic things I've ever read. I'm like, dude, dude could be writing like a shampoo bottle and it'll be the greatest thing I've ever written. Like truly. Um, Like I, I, I love him. And the older I get, the more I understand his like, y'all F all of you. (laughs) F all y'all. I'll give you something great and you guys won't even respect it. Um, Mm. uh, He's a great guy. I love that old wizard. Um, Speaking of putting my money where your mouth is. Ben, you're a pretty big fan of fables, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I was a pretty big fan. I was very hot on it when I was reading the trades. I really, because I think I was just trying to get something of the Once Upon a Time itch scratched, and Fables was doing it. Absolutely, you can uh, say you're a fan. Like I, I, yeah, I, I know you. I, you have a, you've got all those volumes. I, I have all the vol. I have all the trades. Um, I loved the game Wolf Among Us. I am actually very excited for Wolf Among Us too. Well, uh, Ben, yeah. uh, good news. You can write your own Fables, and it's completely legal. I saw that, and I'm actually kind of shocked about it, to be perfectly honest. Bill Willingham, the creator of Fables and the the sole owner of Fables, um, has put Fables in the public domain, um, which is 
not something I actually thought could happen. But I guess there's no reason why I couldn't. Um, he he consulted with lawyers and he consulted with his contracts and he said that like, yeah, it's now in the public domain. It's yours, as you know, uh, talking to us, the people. And he's like, if you want to do Fables movie, if you want to do a Fables TV series, nothing I or DC can do will can stop you. Yeah. Um, DC will try. I'm sure DC will send some cease and desist letters, be like, we own Fables. Which is why that was why this happened, by the way. So this happened because Bill Willingham, we know that Fables was coming back. We had we we talked about it a couple of years ago that Fables was coming back for like his 20th anniversary or whatnot. And he and he was apparently apparently what had happened was the lawyers at DC said, We're doing this as a courtesy. We want you to come back. And he's like, Why is this courtesy? I, I'm the only one who can write this book. And they didn't know that they didn't own fables <clears throat> that it was a that and to be fair it's weird because fables is a creator owned book published through dc comics that's mm-hmm. that's pretty rare for dc to do um but it is in fact the case and so bill willingham um was talking had wrote this whole thing and i, I read this whole thing on substack where he was talking about like why this has happened why he was frustrated with dc that the people who are running DC right now are just are not men with integrity anymore. And he doesn't want anything to do with it. And he himself believes that after about 20 or 30 years, everything should be in the public domain. So that's what he did. He put it in the public domain. He put his money where his mouth is. And he said, this is it. Now he, if he wants to do fables, it's gotta be through DC because that's what his contract is. But because DC, but because now fables is in the public domain, if I wanted to make a fables, if the artist wanted to be, the artist of fables wanted to do fables, they can do that. They can do that. We can do that. That's just legal. Now we want to make a fables movie. Hey guys, Fickner podcast is doing a fables fan film. It's not a fan film. It's a real movie now. Um, that that's perfectly legal. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, isn't, and my question is, isn't like, a little bit of Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. Isn't that like all in the public domain already? So that like those original yeah. ideas. Yes. Yes. Now it's, now it's just in the context. No, of I specifically yeah. what he built with fables, but yes. Yes. Correct. So like this is incredible. It's not like Star Wars is in the public domain. No. No. Absolutely not. And don't trivialize this, by the way. Like this oh, is no, still, no, I'm, still I'm a big deal. Not. The thing is, like the thing is, like we've talked about this before. Bill Willingham was trying to play NBC and ABC uh, into a bidding war to make a fables TV series, but. Both of what when both of them realized what was happening, they realized all these characters are public domain anyway. We can do whatever we want. We can mm-hmm. do once upon a time. We do grim. That's what these characters are in the public domain. However, what is not in the public domain is how they are used in fables. It's much like what's happened with Winnie the Pooh, right? Winnie the Pooh yeah. is in the public domain, but you give Winnie the Pooh a, a red shirt. That's Disney. Yeah. Um, Steamboat Willie will be in the public domain, but not Mickey Mouse, for example. Yeah. Like so, so within the context of, of this, like, you're right. It's not Star Wars. Star Wars will mm-hmm. never be in the public domain, and that's what he talked about the public domain laws are so fucked at this point that there's yeah. no, yeah. there's nothing that's going to be in the public domain. That should be in the public domain. Um, we have these public domain heroes like Sherlock Holmes and all the, all the, well, the fairy, the grim fairy tale characters, all the mm-hmm. Peter Pan's like all those stuff in the public domain, King Arthur. Uh, we'll never get that anymore. Characters that are created now, Superman will probably never be in the public domain because no yeah. Warner Bros. will, will, will make the law skew the law to hell until we, until it happens. Yeah. But, while yeah, Fables isn't a Star Wars level thing, this is still and, and Bill Willingham, admittedly, not a great guy. Um, no, but this is still a really cool thing to do for someone to be like, you know what? Screw DC. 
And which, what, what does Alan Moore just do? Screw DC. Mm-hmm. DC, the people who run DC are not good men right now. And I don't want anything to do with them. So I'm doing this to, to do something good with the property that I created. I just thought that was really cool. I, it is very I, cool. Except the yeah. cool precedent, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the way that Bill, because once again, I've read, I mean, yeah, I've read all the fables and there are parts of fables that I really enjoy. And there are times where I'm reading, it's like, I would love to see like a side story or I would like to see a mini series about a certain character set with you can write it now yeah like um one of um one of the characters cinderella like the fables version of cinderella she's a secret agent she goes around and she wrecks people's shit it's really cool to see her go out in action um the frog prince who was a character that i wasn't really like you know it's the frog prince he gets hit by a princess and then he turns into a handsome prince he is like the most humble person in the entire book and it's like this i love this dude and now that's and now we can actually do this without any um any fear of like the hammer coming down. I I mean look, I understand that Bill William, I, I'm not the biggest saint. Obviously, I'm not the big I'm I like his work, but I don't like his politics. Mm-hmm. But I will not lie, this has given me or earned him some little bit more respect for me because the fact that he's just like, look, I know that these characters or these versions of these characters are mine, but you all can do whatever you want then. I think that's actually a really he- cool thing to do. A lot of this came from back from he was just tired of chasing residuals because he would never got paid for the Telltale game. He there was a there was a movie yeah. that was in product that was in pre pre production, but he never got an, a cent from it, and he was just tired of chasing them down for that money that he was owed. So he was just, how do you not pay him for the Telltale game? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm I'm actually shocked that they never did pay him for the Telltale game because it's like it's fables. Like if you put the name fables on, it's like Bill William created these characters. That Telltale game is like the most popular Telltale game ever made. One of them, yeah. Uh, what there's one other thing I was gonna I was gonna say. Shoot, damn it, I lost it. That's all right. Bye. Um, yeah, I just uh, it, again like anything that screws over a giant corporation is fine by me. Oh, I remember um, my, my point now. Yeah. Um, how funny is it that DC forgot that they don't own the rights to Fables outright? They didn't. No, I don't believe for a second they didn't. I think they were trying to strong arm the rights from him by claiming mm. innocence because they keep saying they used to say that fell through the cracks because they didn't uh, give him cover art, uh, cover art um, uh, uh, approval. Uh, they, there were certain things that he that they wouldn't do that he kept uh, trying to be like, hey, you can't do that. And they'd be like, oh, right. Sorry, it just fell through the cracks. I think what happened was and he he also thinks this, but I, which is likely because there's no way that the lawyers yeah. went into that deal without reading that contract. Um, we're saying we're saying that, like, oh, yeah, we own this. I think they were trying to convince him mm. that w- this is this right. is ours because I thought we were about to get into like an Archie Comics um Penn Teller's situation. Oh, not Penn and Teller. That's the magician. Um, Ken <laughs> Pender's situation. Because mm. Ar- Archie, because yeah, like we said, DC, bigger company, better lawyers. Archie Comics, not as big a company, not as good of lawyers. Because Archie, because if you guys, I, I, I remember talking about this a while ago, but Archie screwed up with one of the writers of the Sonic the Hedgehog comics where they mm. literally lost a copy of his work for hire contract. And because mm. Archie couldn't produce an actual copy of the contract when it was first signed, Ken Penders took the rights to his characters back from mm-hmm. Archie and Sega. And Sega got so pissed at Archie that it eventually halted that. That's how they stopped publishing Sonic Comics with Archie Comics. And they went to IDW and essentially just redid the whole thing. 
Thanks, Ken Penders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I anyway. Screw over big companies. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they have the money. They'll be fine. For real. Like seriously. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about some Marvel comics, though. Yes. These are actually like announcements now. Um, guys, I don't know how to tell you this. Mark Spector is dying. Again? Um, well, I guess he had well, technically again. Uh, did he well, I mean, he the... died the first the first time he died. He became the fist of Conchu. Uh, I got this technically true. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, anyway, so the death of Moon Knight is coming in Jeb McKay uh, in Jeb McKay's current run of uh, Moon Knight. It's going to start at issue 28. Uh, we'll be on for three issues to issue 30. Um, and, but yeah, it's going to detail the final story of Mark Spector. It's going to be his his death. Um, they were pretty clear that like it's a comic book, so like nobody figured he was going to be dead forever. Um, mm-hmm. But like this is actually going to lead into another story from Mark Spector, as well as Vengeance of Moon Knight, which is going to be a new title spinning off of it with a new number one written by Jed McKay uh, with art by Alessandro uh, Capuccio. Uh, and this is going to be a, a new person taking over as the Fist of Conchu. Um, Hunter's Moon taking over yeah, as Moon Knight. That's a character has been in the books. From from like the beginning, yeah, it's like another yeah. Moon Knight, basically. Uh, and yeah, now he will be Moon Knight. So uh, that so it's going to be two parallel. It sounds like it's going to be two parallel stories: one of the new living Moon Knight and one of the dead Moon Knight. So yeah, I'm into it. Uh, Jim McKay has been truly killing it on that book. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of like honestly one of Marvel's best books, and specifically with that art team, like it's consistently like one of the best looking books too. Um, I trust Jed McKay. He's the one who killed Doctor Strange and brought him back in less than a year. So I'm not worried, honestly. Uh, this is probably going to be a great book, but just like every cyclical cycle of comic books, like Mark Spector will have a new number one in probably like a year, you know? Uh, but that's fine, honestly. Like, as long as the books are good, I don't care. Yeah, it's this kind of a... I, 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 liked it, I liked it better when I, di- when I didn't see a death of a comic book character like every year. It sounds like every year we're talking about this. Um, this year, multiple, much... and there's like yeah. big, big, uh, like, like, uh, uh, pushes, like, yo, new comic book, we're killing a character, like, that's the premise. We're not, it's not a secret anymore. It doesn't happen at the end of an arc anymore. We're told in advance to get excited for it. Yeah. Who's who's writing Amazing Spider-Man right now? Uh, Zeb Wells. Zeb Wells, Miss Marvel, obviously dead. Yeah. Well, back now, but still, like, we're yeah. we know we, we Ryan's like we know that this that these deaths are coming in advance so that we can get excited about and buy these issues and buy and so they can make sales. And like, there's so many now. Um, I, I I don't I I don't blame anyone for believing like they've lost their weight because they have. I do prefer it when they're pretty clear. Is like for Moon Knight, death is just the next step in the story. Yes. Rather than to be like, this is going to be really important and we're going to kill her and we're going to kill this person. That's a good point. This isn't as egregious because, again, like the character's uh, relationship with death. But it is like, we just killed Doctor Strange. We just killed Miss Marvel. We're going to kill Moon Knight. And I'm like, all right. Okay. We like death in this this year in the Marvel house. Yeah, I think I, I do think that this one works better just by the nature of the character mm-hmm. and knowing even up front as they're saying, we're killing him. But it's it's we're killing him because it's how he's going on a journey yeah. into the yeah. next thing, which reminds me a lot of like when when Ghost Rider dies, you know, like Ghost Rider dies, but Ghost Rider doesn't die. Oh, or even like um, the Moon Knight TV show, which we're not allowed to talk about, so pretend I'm not talking about it. But like that episode where he's where he yeah. is dead and he's hanging out with the hippo lady. Like I'll watch yeah. a whole, I'll read a whole comic about that shit. That's cool. Right, and I and I think that 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 plays differently and just like being upfront about it from the get. Like it's not like we got a 
Moon Knight is dying weeks, weeks, weeks to tell another story. Yes. Uh, it's just like, no, we're killing him, but we're killing him because that's that's how he's going on this next part of a journey. Yeah. yeah. He's not it's, it's not like, ending with his death. It's like Immortal Hulk in a way. Like the the great thing about Immortal Hulk was that it kind of took it kind of took the power away from a death in a comic book character. Absolutely. Because we knew that if this character died, he'd come back. And that wasn't that was death wasn't the um the crux of the drama within that story. It was it was there was some there was something else. Or even just the first time in the new Krakoa era when, yeah. when the X-Men die. And like, you know, that was a, a oh shit. And then they're back. And it's like, yeah, because this is this is how this is changing Hot the spot. story and all this kind of That's thing right. without without like totally throwing you um yeah. and, and making death feel unimportant it's important but it's important for a different reason yes yeah and that's what i honestly that's what is interesting uh besides like you know we're gonna kill miss marvel Which, frankly i think just like more comics need to do um yeah, like we know uh, death is is like it's one inevitable but two it's not long lasting so like well and i think the other thing that gets me is that like a concept of afterlife exists in both the major publishers dc and marvel yeah so the idea that like there's so many different reasons, and I think like the X-Men and, and Moon Knight are good examples of, of recent time where there's a reason to kill a character to tell a story about what happens to them that is part of like there there can be a growth through a character going through that experience, even if they're going to come back to life later. Look at the crucible with apocalypse. He, um, he killed he killed one of the one of the young Guthrie's arrow to get her powers back. Yeah. And that's like, yo, he murdered a teenage girl, but right. that's what she wanted. That's heavy, dude. That's heavy mm -hmm. shit. That happens with Johnny Blaze more than once, um, but I think that's when Hickman killed him. Though that was incredible. But that's more the direction that the comics need to go in. Oh, Blaze. Then, then yeah, I, I knew who you were. I heard Johnny. Yeah, uh, I, that's more the direction comics should go in because we always know it's impermanent, especially in the, under the big two publishers. Um, and if you go on a direction where it's like, yeah, we're killing them, but there's a purpose to the killing of the story rather than just like putting someone else in the spot. Yeah and just jumping up a new number one and, and continuing the but like even even like peter's death um in ultimate spider-man to bring in miles morales like that didn't just like put a new person in the spot that like changed the functionality the world. of the world and altered the story of how things were going and i think as long as you're doing something like that uh that's more the direction we want comics to go in is this exact kind of thing where it's like we're doing it to tell a story about how that character connects to the afterlife or what this means for the journey for them ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Original X-Men is going to be a one shot, a uh, supersized one shot, as they call it, uh, written by Christus Gage with art by Greg Land. Oh, That's nice. fun. And we'll see the original five X-Men uh, called forth to tackle a new multiversal mystery. Y'all, if you want to see X Twitter, um, have the least positive response to a comic announcement, this is the one. Um, yeah. One, because Greg Land does art, and Greg Land is the dude who traces porn actors and all of his, like, his, his art's awful. Um, his iron, his, like, when he does, like, iron, like uh, metal, anything that's not human faces, he's great. But, unfortunately, comic books start people. So, uh, Greg Land kind of sucks. Chris Gage is a really great writer. I like him most of the time. He did a lot of, like, uh, he did a lot of TV uh, work for, like, he did, like, Avengers and, like, Spider-Man. He does, like, he's, like, a TV writer guy, too. So, like, this is a like, cool one shot about uh, the OG X-Men. And honestly, that's like the least popular version of the X-Men. Like those original, the original Stanley X-Men comics, spoiler guys, they're not good. They, they didn't get good. They, the book got canceled before it got good. A lot of people don't even know that. 
Um, so like, there's not a lot here for me. I don't care about that original team. I read the Bendis era where it was all of them for like five years. And like, I don't need to see those 60s characters again, especially if it's just like a one shot with bad art. So like, I'm happy. I'm happy for y'all. If you want to not you guys, like the next people on this, but like no one really cares about this. We're in the Kokoa era. This is not what any of us really want, to be honest. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of the Krakoa era, next month at New York City Comic Con, Marvel is going to have their Marvel's Next Big Thing panel. Mm-hmm. We already know some of the titles that they're going to talk about. Uh, we don't have any information on what these titles are. However, we do have some creative teams. Uh, so, Fall of the House of X, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Lucas Wernick, and Rise of the Powers of X, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by R.B. Silva. That's um, such an incredible team for the sadness that's happening. Uh, also, with that will also come The Resurrection of Magneto, written by Al Ewing, with art by Luciano Vecchio. Hell yeah, we're going to talk about character deaths real quick. Spoiler alert for like an eight-month comic now. Um, Magneto died this year, and it's the coolest character death I've, I've experienced in, in a comic in a long time. Um, his his fall was insane in the coolest dude again i told you like storm gave him a magnetic heart to keep him alive while he battled the world uh it's great shit and he died beautifully um i don't want i would never want him to come back unless it's written by al ewing the guy who killed him because al ewing is a poet uh specifically with magneto um it's just the greatest shit so like uh you need magneto to come back he is one of the biggest x-men so like he, he hasn't been gone like a whole year yet but that's okay again everyone comes back it's x-men the thing sorry real quick uh, during this event when Magneto died, he didn't have the Kokoa protection. So, like, all the mutants, uh, if they died, they can actually die. So, Magneto did die. So, him coming back is, like, a big deal. Um, Scarlet Witch made The Waiting Room. That was the miniseries of The Trial of Magneto. Uh, she basically made uh, Limbo for people who've died and they're waiting to be resurrected. So, they can actually kind of be alive in Limbo. So, I think that's maybe what they're going to try to do. They're kind of incorporate Scarlet Witch stuff with Magneto. Um, we'll see. But it's Al Ewing, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. The fall of House of X and rise of powers of X kind of implies that the Krokoa era is an end. So yeah, the the Krokoa era is ending, but uh, people, they're never going back to the mansion. They're never going back to the old school way of of doing things. That is so reductive. And the amount of progress we've made, not just as like what the X-Men are, but who they can become. Like we cannot go back to, oh, Wolverine's teaching physical education anymore. There's no world we can go back to that. Um, they, the Krakoa era is the biggest singular comic success in the, in the last couple of years in terms of relations. It hasn't been for a number of years now. Not for a number, for the last year. But dude, like Sins of Sinister, uh, the, the, all the events we talked about, all those were huge sellers. Like those comics still sell really well. They're not, obviously, we are four years into it now. It's not the thing it was. All the X-Men books still sell like pretty well compared, compared to, uh, previously. Um, we're not going to get rid of like this stuff with resurrection might go away. All that stuff might go away, but like we are not regressing back to the things of the way it used to be. We we have progressed too far. Uh, it's like it's like getting rid of all of Batman's sidekicks or his kids. Like once once you progress far enough, you can't regress a character anymore. Only Spider Man gets to do that. No, I think you're right about they're not regressing anything. Obviously not. No, the X Men has never really regressed like that in, in a number of years. Um, I, however. I was looking at the numbers, and the thing is, these th- these new miniseries for the fall of, uh, fall of X, the sense of sinister, Judgment Day, uh, the confusing the 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 fact that they're the only thing that was selling really well had been the the two ongoings, which were Wolverine and X Force, because those kept consistent. 
those have been consistent numberings. X Men, the core X Men book, it hasn't been selling very well. Okay, there's been there has been there unfortunately between Judgment Day, Sins of Sinister, and the Fall of X, these things just got too confusing for people, too unwieldy for for readers, and a lot of them, a lot of them jumped off, and that's to be expected. Four years into a thing, it's, look, we're almost five years into to the X, into this run. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of runs like this would be happy to have a five year run like this. Absolutely. Hey, how many comics are about to hit issue fifty at Marvel or DC, and how many of those are X Men comics? How many? It's, it's like it's like three or four, because like because Percy Percy has been writing X Men or X Force and Wolverine for almost fifty issues. Uh, X Men would have been fifty if they didn't relaunch it, because it's up but to twenty five now. That's what I'm talking. That's, well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like the ones that were consistent have been X Force and Wolverine. Yeah. And that's been really cool because those are really good books. I really like those books. Outside of that, it's gotten really confusing for people to keep to keep invested because they keep relaunching with new minis and they keep trying to interweave all these things. And that's fine. It happens. And so there is going to be the reason why they are doing this is it does seem very likely that there is going to be a reset of some sort. I don't think it's a reductive reset, like a lot of people are saying. I'm not saying that yeah. don't don't even believe that I am, but it will be a reset. And it yeah, will, oh, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever is next will be to pare it down, bring it back to something that people can jump onto again. And whether or not they're still on Krakoa, you know, that's only interesting. We don't know anything about that yet. And we won't know anything until New York Comic Con next year. Yeah. So we can only speculate. I just, I just know, like, there will be a reset. It will not be as probably... It, I, there will still be a lot of X Men comics there because again, Brevoort became is now the X Men editor and he's been the Avengers editor for the last twenty years. So like the, the X Men push is going to be harder than it's ever been, but it is going to be a reset. But Tom Brevoort is such an exceptional editor; he knows how good the Kokoer is. He's not putting those kids back into school, and it's just going to be like the same five X Men we talk about. Like they have unlocked something with this new era that can never be put back in a box. And yeah, it will be reset, but like we cannot go back to just Professor X fights Magneto. Because that is so boring. We are so we are like not we're done with those sixties X Men. I would really like to see them actually feel like they have a plan again. That's why that's why I'm not opposed to this at all. Because I don't think that the X Men series have felt like they've been doing anything but spinning their wheels. And I will I I, I will I, say I don't think they've since Hickman left they have not had a concrete plan. But I think that is, and I'm not saying you're saying this negatively, but it is a little dismissive because Sins of Sinister, Judgment Day, uh, all these events have been good. They are not bad events. They might not have sold well, but all these books are still good. Are they confusing for people trying to jump on? Sure. But these books are still good. Like, none of these books are horrible, uh, in my opinion. I wasn't saying a lot of people agree. No, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I, this era is, has done so well, and yet it has been five years, so, like, the numbers won't be, they're selling millions of copies like they used to. Like, that's just, you know, infinite growth situation. Uh, but they unlocked something where, again, like this era might end, but this is we are not going to go back to what the X Men looked like in 2005. Like this is this is we are in a new era, uh, thankfully. Um, and I'm just really excited that we are here. And I know Brevor is not going to go. All right, we're going to get rid of all of these, all of this cast, all the all the Iraqi. We're just going to get rid of all of them. Mars, we have an entire planet full of mutants. We're just going to get rid of that. You know, all the years of building up to planet-sized X-Men, of them terraforming a planet, give them godlike powers, we're going to get rid of all that. I don't believe that. They are setting up the X-Men to be bigger than they've ever been, and they will not get rid of Kokoa. Uh, will this, you know, will them being immortal gods, that will probably go away for the movies, honestly. But, like, them being the biggest in the universe will still be there. 
I don't, this isn't to you or to anybody here, but anybody who thinks that that is the case, that they would get rid of Iraqi or the things like that is frankly an idiot. Um, yeah. The the thing the thing is like the only reason why I brought up those numbers is because you know Marvel is a company who wants big numbers and so yeah. what they're going to what they're I wasn't saying that Judgment Day since the Sinister Fall of X were were difficult for new people I was saying they were difficult for people who are reading who are current who have been reading since the beginning and have decided that they don't want to do it anymore they don't want to jump on anymore and and I get it I really do um, and Marvel want a big launch which is why Tom Brevert coming in and they're going to do a big launch they're gonna do a big launch this is gonna be huge like ryan said this is gonna be huge um what that looks like we only can speculate at this point yep i think more importantly than anything is that just needing to get the number of titles back down again just for just for getting readers to jump on point um uh to bring a reader base back to the x-men um and like you said like it, it, it will be some sort of a reset um i think paring down the titles that they will inevitably do is going to bring readers back in and, and yeah. have them reading it. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing is that like, even if the books are good, like I do think that there's just been like, damn, that line got saturated quick. Uh, and like, it's because wanting to jump into it. And it's I, because I at that's... the beginning, everybody was buying 12 books. Right. And that's not sustainable for five years. No, it's not. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing is like, and it's, it's unfortunate because I just, it's, it's so hard because the X-Men world is so massive. It within, is its own universe. Within within Marvel. Yeah. And this has really accentuated how many how many different things and stories you can tell when you allow these characters to not all be the background, the background of six main characters. All, yes. And, exactly. and that's the prominent thing. And like I think we're gonna see a little bit more diversification. I think we we might see more of like these titles might happen in their own minis, but ones that are gonna be, they're not gonna feel feel the pressure to keep them as connected and be like if you if these are characters that we know readers really like that can move outside of the main x-men story and and not necessarily like there are mutants everywhere and we can tell a mutant story that's not necessarily an x-men story and i think that's kind of the direction that's going to be more possible Mm -hmm. and i do think in the long run of comics we are going to end up back at the mansion however uh, I think contextually how that'll happen is that um, none of our characters who have ever been at the mansion before are going to be there. I, think I really hope be, so. I think it would be a brand new class. A, a Well, in the sense that like, I think that there will be an opportunity to tell a story for um, kids who do want like that school life experience, ones who are mutants and want that. And Xavier kind of in a nostalgia way, wanting that for someone. So essentially gives the school to, new mutant teachers who we've never had there before. And I think there is a, an inevitably, I think inevitably in the long run of comics, that's a story you're going to want to revisit for nostalgia purposes. Sure. But I, but I believe fully that like none of our characters, none of our main X-Men characters are the people who go back to that school to teach or any of it. I think that becomes like a new generation entirely of like thing. who this is gifted yes. to as an opportunity for them to have that kind of uh, educational system and upbringing and safe space for mutants that it does exist uh in in the broader spectrum of the mutant stories they're telling no because they are they are segregated like yeah. that's that is the thing so and yeah. that, that is a great point like i do like that idea of they can bring back to school i just don't want that to be the focus again yes. because because specifically like i know you guys are really behind but like charles xavier he is not right now he is not someone who will ever run a school again right ever right. he's gone the amount of shit he's gone through like krakoa is the dream so to regress back to, oh, I'm going to give up my dream, is just like a really uh, like a regressive way to look at Xavier and the things he's had to go through to become where he is now. Um, and I just don't want him to be the dude just in a wheelchair. Oh, hello, students. Because, like, we are past that, dude. 
people have this idea of the X-Men and it's the X-Men Fox movies and we need to get past it. I'm being honest. Like X-Men has not been that for a long, for 20 years, it hasn't been that. There hasn't been a school in a long time. And when it comes back, it gets blown up immediately. People live in the X-Men Fox world and they need to get out of it. Uh, and I'm glad that's why Kokoa has been so popular, luckily. Yeah, I don't think any any of us are. I think I think all of us are with you on that one. I don't think any of us were saying otherwise. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah. All right. I'm Avengers. just saying, as someone real quick, like I going to school is, is probably inevitability. Yeah, as someone who has read all X Men comics for like the, basically the past twenty years, that school has become less and less important because it is so restrictive of what the X Men are. Right. They are about going out and being accepted by everyone. And when you are in a school, being scared of people. Uh, that is why Cyclops and House of X is so powerful. Like, you think I was just going to sit around and let this happen to us? They can never go back to that again. It's so it's so well, regressive. That's, that's again why I think like it's important to with the line going forward. And I do think what they'll inevitably end up doing is extending the concept of mutant based storytelling. That's not X Men based storytelling. Yeah, and like that's the separation. So like that school will come back. That will be mutant based storytelling. Yeah, but the X Men won't be there. Um, and I think that's fine. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with that because you have diversified and broadened out the spectrum of like how many mutants are there and how are they connected and like that there are characters that we can follow. Like uh, Exterminators is a great example of like none, an of, our, book, baby. none of our traditional uh, uh, typical X-Men heroes that we're following in it but it's a great Ooh. book and so like there but there's other characters in there who would fall in the line of like you could put them back in the school and you could put them in this opportunity and there's a room to tell a story there and, and do things there that is not the X-Men. Children of the Vault is a book that's out, a miniseries right now by Dennis Camp, the writer of 20th Century War, a book we recently, mm -hmm. 20th Century Men. Yes. Uh, and that book is incredible. And that is dealing with really important topics. And it features no X-Men characters you guys know, because it's all about the children of the vault. Mm -hmm. And that is a book that would never exist in a regular, a regular X-Men. Sure. Because you need to build up and you need to have faith. Uh, and we've built, we've dealt with the children of the Adam for years at this point in the Hickman era. So like, it's a natural progression. Like, this is a really good book that would not exist. And honestly, a lot of non people are reading it because they don't give it a chance. And I, that is just a thing of like, you know, too many characters. Uh, sorry, I talked about this too long. Thank you, Brandon. That's fine. Um, Avengers Twilight, Chip Zdarsky, uh, art by Daniel Acuna. It's another book that will be announced at uh, New York City Comic Con. This is an incredible art team. Chip Zdarsky has never written a bad comic book. I don't care what you Batman fans have to say that book's still good um this is gonna be just a fun like mini series um like he's not taking over avengers uh it's just like you know it's what it's, it's what he does he writes great mini series that aren't the main title um I'm, I'm calling it right now the mass villain is uh angel um i'm just gonna angel i'm gonna say that right out twilight oh come on y'all twilight angel we talked about buffy verse comic already bro i didn't i haven't watched a lot of buffy <laughs> brandon that's, knows what i'm talking that's about the comic that's season eight yeah. that's the comic there you go. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't get you. For, for all of Buffy season eight, there was this big buildup of who's this masked person who's messing with Buffy and it, it, their their name is Twilight and they have a mask that's like a Twilight symbol on it. And at the end, it's Angel. Oh. And, and he was doing all the thing, Buffy. And they have ah, superpowers sure. and they fly through space and they have sex Ooh. in space. Wow. Vampires. Crazy. It's some real It's some real Joss Whedon on his own bullshit there. Did Sounds not like, like it. Arc. Did not like <laughs> that season at all. Ultra Spider-Man. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I I enjoyed it until I found out who it was. <laughs> then it then it really went up its own ass. Ultimate Spider-Man is coming back, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Marco Chichetto. This is this is probably the wildest thing I've heard in my entire life, to be honest. Um, because Hickman has famously said, much like Chip Zdarsky, I will never write the main Spider-Man comic. 
that is not i do not want to deal with those people uh i love spider-man never doing it um he wrote a, he wrote a tweet last month saying i've i have finally been given the chance to write a character i've always wanted to but i but i never actually had the ability to and this is what he's talking about he's writing spider-man who is he writing that's a great effing question because mm -hmm. it could be miles it could be peter it could be a different peter in this in a new ultimate universe like i we don't know i don't know and it's really exciting because again hickman is back at marvel full force like taking over the ultimate line doing god like he, he he's back and i'm like marcus Ticetto is one of the great talents like oh my god he's been on daredevil as Zdarsky for a long time um this is exceptional uh jonathan hickman we've read his x-men he's he's a very like thoughtful like de depthful writer he's also really funny and he doesn't get to write comedy a lot if you're at secret wars he wrote a lot of spider-man secret wars and he's really funny uh, Miles Morales is the one who saves the universe because he has a burger in his pocket. Um, this is awesome. Uh, I'm so happy the universe, Ultimate Universe is back. Um, I can't wait to dive all, all the way into it back again next year. The only thing we know is that this will be in the new Reborn Ultimate Universe that the maker just made. So I only read that, that first issue, so I got I to gotta get back to it. I got to right. get into it at all. Yep. I love comic books. Um, Nintendo Direct. Yeah, Ben's uh, like it's my time. I've been waiting. Time. Fuck comics. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just like very out of the comic book loop nowadays. So it's this yeah. is where this is where I check out now. And I let I let <laughs> you guys. I was, I, I was still listening. I was still listening. I was still listening during the comic book talk. I mean, also I, I want to talk, and I, I will still listen to your the video game talk. I will just not engage with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I did look up the Greg Land bit earlier when we were talking about him doing X-Men. I was like, Ugh, yeah, I can see why people don't like him all that much. Yeah. Mm, he's yeah. the Tracer, yeah. right? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, he does, yeah. He does the Tracer o, of porn. He does the O faces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So the Nintendo had a direct the, on these past few weeks. I would say it was a more chill direct. Not a lot of major announcements, but there are two. I mean, there are some like. Hey, some more RPGs are coming to the system. Some other games are coming that that were. I think there was this one that was originally on the Nintendo 3DS that's finally making its way not only to North America, but they're bringing like both games onto one cartridge, which is cool. But there mm -hmm. are two games that took the internet by storm. The first one being F Zero Ninety Nine. This is technically the first new F Zero game since F Zero GX for the GameCube like twenty years. some years ago. It's messed up. That's messed up. It is messed up. Or maybe there was an F Zero game for the Game Boy Advance. Either way, there there hasn't been a new F Zero game in a decade and a half plus. Yeah. So uh, the fact that um, F Zero is getting the ninety nine treatment, which kind of sounds a little bit odd, but I've been seeing a lot of people, especially big F Zero fans on Twitter, talking about how F Zero ninety nine is really good and it's really well done, even with the ninety nine format. Um, so do, does anyone here have any experience with F-Zero at all? Yeah, I yeah. watched, I watched a bunch of streamers play this game. Uh, it looks really, it's, you know, they did, Mar what is it, Tetris 99, Mario 99, yeah. like, this is, like, the, the the next step in that. Uh, yeah. It looks really cool, you know, I'm not, I love a good Falcon punch. Falcon punch! <laughs> um, it is the old school game, so, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in it, um, but it, it looks really cool. It's cool that it exists. I'll be honest. I'm I I like F Zero. I'm more interested in something new. Me too. Yeah. Like something truly new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, although 
once, once again, there's like a little bit of hope because if this does, I mean, because this has gotten some traction, a lot of people are getting a lot of praise online. So maybe because I know there's this one guy who actually became a Nintendo stockholder and he has a really big stake in the company. And he did it just because he was like, I want a new F-Zero game. And now that I'm a shareholder, I'm telling you to do a new, sh- to make a new F-Zero <laughs> He's game. Like that. He's like that guy who uh, you see the, the the like post about he went to work on the uh, at the video game company to fix a bug uh, that was going on in the system. And he, he went in and he fixed it himself and then he put in his two weeks notice immediately. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but F099, it's getting a lot. I have it downloaded. It's free to, just for anyone listening and who doesn't know, it's if you have the Nintendo Switch online service, it's free to download. The main fear is that Nintendo will pull the plug on this one like they did with Mario 35. Yeah. I hope that's not the case, and I hope that this sticks around, because Tetris 99, that's still going on strong. But Pac-Man 99 did get pulled, and that was just... That was was Namco. Namco, Bandai Namco decided to make this. I guess they just didn't have the player base and wasn't raking in the numbers like a game like Tetris is. Um, Yeah. I did play Pac-Man 99. It was I thought it was really fun. I had a good time with it. That was only that was the only 99 game I actually won a few rounds, whereas Tetris I could only got to like third or second place. Um, but I do hope F Zero sticks around a lot longer, and hopefully Nintendo has also learned their lesson from like, hey, here's this franchise that everyone really likes, and a lot of people are really enjoying it. It's getting attention on stream. Oh, it's only gonna be around for a few months, and we're gonna pull the plug. So hopefully that. I'm feeling F Zero because this is a Nintendo product. You'll probably. It's not like a Namco. It's a Nintendo, right? They made this one. Yeah. So I think this will probably stick around then. That's what people were hoping for Mario 35. They're still championing for Mario 35 to make its return. But the big... That's so weird. Yeah. Well, once again, that was like during the whole the Mario 35th anniversary thing where a lot of stuff Nintendo was doing was like, really? Oh, they did like the limited run physical thing. Yeah. Yeah. All that stupid. Yeah. They were just... Yeah. Not only limited run physical, but limited run run digital on the store. It's like, Why? And then, yeah, either, either way, that's that's neither here nor there. The biggest news to come out of the Direct was, of course, at the very, very end, fans had been championing for this game to be remade, re-released on modern consoles, and they're finally doing it. The GameCube classic, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, is officially getting a remake for the Nintendo Switch coming out next year, and everyone is collectively losing their shit. I am one of them. Because I have been told time and time again that Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is the best Paper Mario. It is the best Mario RPG ever made. We're getting Super Mario RPG remake later this year. And the fact that they're finally making it for modern consoles and it's available. Because if you were to go out and buy that game physical today, you're losing about 200 some dollars. Because that sucker is expensive with a capital E. I saw a thousand dollar one on Twitter. And someone's like, y'all, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, this that's, is my favorite Mario game. I have Thousand Year Door. I think it's a perfect game. I think the first Paper Mario is exceptional, and then they made a better version of that. Um, I wish the Paper Mario franchise is my favorite Mario like game franchise. Um, it's really cool. I th- they they made them less RPG like, or later on they made like Super Paper Mario and like yeah, Super Paper Mario for the but, like, Super Paper Mario for I, the Wii, which fans were like eh, on. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for it. Uh, but like the traditional like yo, it's turn based. Uh, you know, it's exploratory, like uh, almost Metroidvania. We were getting new things to help you unlock other things. Like it is so clever. It is one of the funniest. Like those those Paper Mario games are exquisitely written, like really really sharp. Uh, uh, so like I'm I'm so excited. It's been so long 
since I played those games. Um, and I, I, I devoured those games. Uh, I'm really excited about this um, because I really enjoyed that game on the GameCube when I played it. Um, so that's really awesome. It is something where I'm going to be a little bit of a wet blanket, wet um, which is really not about this game. It's more about Nintendo as a whole, Yeah. which is like, if we just had goddamn backwards compatibility, nobody would be losing <laughs> their shit over any of it. It's true. No, it's like, true. We're so regularly coming back here for Nintendo Directs where it's like, can you believe that they're bringing back the GameCube game for the Switch? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's really neat. You know, other consoles just do that. I got an Xbox. I can play everything. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I just this I'm, is this I'm a little tired of Nintendo Directs. Yeah, almost living and dying on most. So of here's the thing. This yeah. is probably going to be um because Ben, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much you saw of this, but like most of this direct was remakes and remasters. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, we I, are in the I, I noticed it. We are like in the seventh year of the Switch. That console is dying. The, the Switch Two is. It's the reports are out. The Switch Two it is in developer hands. Like they are actively working on Switch Two games right now. So like this is the last year of of the switch i believe i think we are getting the announcement of the switch 2 next year um yeah. because if again like you watch the direct most of these games are old games and remasters every the big announcement is a game from 20 years ago mm-hmm. i'm really excited for it but he's right nintendo is the only company that i'm like excited to buy a game again because they don't let me play it well and the other <laughs> the other problem i have with this is that we know there are like decent to good depending on which game it is uh available versions of older nintendo games on the switch they're just locked behind the paywall of a subscription service and i'm like these should also just be available on the store like you should get them for free through the service but they should also just be digital purchases you can just get the game on the store and have it this doesn't make sense why we're operating this stupid model when you clearly have such a rabid fan base like you would only make more money by selling these digital nintendo really is like the most backwards company because like we everybody loves nintendo and even when they make huge mistakes we will still always go back to nintendo because like they're the only person who do what they do they make they're the mario people yeah. no one else does mario like mario right but like they are so they so they're living like always like 10 years in the in the past in terms mm-hmm. of everything like the way their catalog works the way their online service works is like so like wow this is like ps3 like this is so yeah, yeah. old school like what are we doing and, and also to sparks is great because he's like just put these games on switch or just put or just upscale them or do, like Worth for the thousand year door remake, I'm totally fine with them like upscaling the graphics because it's a they made it sh- clear this is a remake, not a port. The yeah. 3D All Stars collection, those reports, this is a hundred percent remake, so it's gonna look a little bit better. There's gonna be more quality of life improvements, even with Mario RPG that's coming out. Obviously, the graphical like it's not 16 bit graphics, we're getting the glorious the, the polygon usage and a new mechanic that adds to the game, which is like, all right, cool, quality of life. I'm willing to shell out X amount of dollars on that because I can still play the original on my Super Nintendo Mini. No harm, no foul. Um, but also what you were saying, Sparks, because Nintendo did have that. That was called a virtual console, which did very well on the oh, Wii yeah. and the Wii yeah. U. Yeah. And then once the Switch came out, and I am just, yeah, I I completely agree. But also, ben. it makes me mad because I'm part of the problem because yes. I am. Yes, paying, you are. <laughs> I am part More, of the problem. Yeah. Because I was uh, now. I, yeah. Nothing makes me angrier than the fact that, like, I can play a better version of Ocarina of Time on my Wii U than I can on the Switch. Actually, like, I'll argue that I could play a better version of Ocarina of Time on my 3DS because that 3DS remake is so much better. It is. But you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. But I'm talking in terms of the digital the digital game I can access. Right, the one right. they put on the virtual console for the Wii U is better than the one that you can access by doing the subscription service to the Switch, which is the other problem I have with it, is that there's so many games that are subpar in how mm-hmm. they've brought them over. 
Yeah, I do. I did hear that they did fix a lot of the emulation problems with the N64 when, you know, after the main hub, Hubbable Loot came out. Because, yeah. That's good. Because hardcore people, uh, people in, like, the main emulation sphere on, like, seeing how games worked on the Wii U, the Wii, compared to the Switch when the NSO dropped their N64 expansion pack. Oh, yeah, they ripped Nintendo apart. Rightfully yeah. so. Because right. that, because if you're putting these games up on these consoles, it's like, yeah, I want a really good experience. I want this to to play seamlessly. I actually played Pokemon Stadium 2 for a hot second. It wasn't bad. I actually, it's like, okay, it looks decent. It was, it, it was to me, it was running fine. And there was, there was a, a thing that, because I was still playing with my Pro Controller, because I still don't have that damn N64 controller, which, once again, Nintendo, what the damn hell. Um making your shit scarce as hell and it's hard for me to buy because i haven't i'm willing i'm trying to give you money god damn it ben it's working clearly it's working yeah i know once again i am part of the problem i 100 agree um i was go i was going somewhere with this but yeah the fact that it just brings me back to the meme when the wii u and 3ds eShop were announced that they were being closed and that the guy made that spongebob mean of patrick and the devil and the manta ray about I'm willing to give you guys money to put these games on Switch for a one-time purchase. Why yeah. aren't you letting me do this? And then they're yeah, like, really. we don't have plans to put Legs to Contact, also don't pirate our games, and, you know, just the getting beat to death because, yeah, Nintendo... Uh, oh, here's Nintendo. real quick, uh, back to back to Thousand Year Door. I'm really excited for that game just because it's, it's, it's a... Not that I can't play it on my totally not legal, legal emulator on my PC that I don't own. Um, but, like, I will say, also not to be a wet blanket, the art style of the original Thousand Year Door is incredible, and, like, the remake, it kind of, you know when they made, like, the Simpsons movie or, like, the Bob's Burgers movie, and it's the same animation that's a little glossier? That's kind of what I'm getting with this, because that style is still good 20 years later. They just kind of, like, made it a little shinier. And I'm like, if I have to pay $70 for this, Nintendo, I'm just going to play the emulator. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> if you're going to you charge me full price for a game that does look better, but it's not like it's a different art style. Like, they're not remaking, like, a brand new, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I, if this is $70, I'm not going to buy it. That's too, that's too much, bro. That's too much. I will for say, one of the greatest the, games ever made still. I will say the one GameCube remaster that Nintendo did do, and they priced it correctly, and it was praised across the board, and it still Metroid. might be on my top uh, 15 of the year, is the Metroid Prime remaster. For the, cause that's Because that only did... Because yes, the game looks better. It, the game looks good because the you know, the upres it for the Switch, quality of life improvement for the controls, and yeah. also they they I mean yeah they shadow dropped it, but they shadow dropped it, and the, the physical was super hard to find, but it made Nintendo money. And you know, like, is hey, it forty they, bucks too? It was only forty to forty dollars. So if, they, if, if this is forty bucks, if this is forty, if the thousand year door is forty dollars, physical or digital, easy, yeah. take my money. That's I a am a hundred. I am 100% okay with paying $40 for a remake of a game like um, like a Thousand Year Door. Because I feel like if Nintendo keeps remaking some of their GameCube classics, like people have been rumored, that has been rumored that they want uh, Zelda Wind Waker uh, HD. Because oh. that, even though that came out on the Wii U, not a lot of people had a Wii U. Didn't sell very well. Same with Twilight Princess. Put that in a combo pack. That I would pay for a full price for a combo pack of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD. Because those games would yeah. look amazing on the Switch. And you have the, and it's already ported. It's already done. Just put them over. Yeah. But the thing is, because we're looking at uh, Super Mario RPG coming out at 60, odds are oh, no, yeah. Thousand Year Door 
60. Because Thousand Year Door also, it, it's also like a, a, like a, it's not a, it's not a four hour game. It's a long RPG. Like you can yeah. put dozens of hours. You can put as much into it, just like any other RPG. So like, yeah, I hope, I really hope it's 40, man. But like, uh, I hope so. Too. I like Nintendo, so I don't. I, I they'll do no. what they do. But of course, I, I I keep saying I know I'm part of the problem. I I accept it. And once that game comes out, and if I I might be but I might be buying it because Thousand Year Door is one of those games that even on the reseller market, it's just stupid expensive. I could probably look it up on Price Run right now, and I could see like just even a loose copy of the disc probably goes for about a hundred, two hundred, or maybe not two hundred dollars, but at least a hundred bucks. It's it's expensive, and yeah. let's see, Paper Mario, yeah. yeah, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, GameCube, loose a loose copy of Thousand Year Door is going for eighty five bucks, and that's the first printing. Player's Choice is forty. Player's Choice, like the the remake or the reprint, uh, twenty dollars, like the one they re um when they retail it for twenty bucks, so it was like a million dollars or a million console or a million title seller. It that was going for forty seven loose. And a completing uh, CIB copy is ninety eight dollars. So you're, or it's averaging ninety eight dollars. Sealed is two hundred forty nine. So, yeah, I bet um, it was higher before this announcement. Probably. Oh yeah, it definitely was. Um, I know some of the games I sold like um, Fire Emblem and Metroid Fusion. They dipped in price because of their avail availability on NSO. Yeah. Um, but I know I know we've been complaining about Nintendo and their practices. But one thing I do kind of want to give them uh, just a tiny little shred of credit for is that they did put Paper Mario on the N64 thing. So if you did decide to shell out money, like me, I could play the original Paper Mario before Thousand Year Door. And the fact that I have access to that game, I want to give them credit for it. It's still scubby is behind that damn paywall of the expansion pack. But is, the fact that... It's interesting that they didn't remake the first one first. It's I think interesting that they went to the second one. I think that's because they know Thousand Year Door is the bigger game, is the better game. Because like sure. you said, Thousand Year Door is one of your favorite Nintendo games of all time. And Nintendo, for all their faults, they know what they have. They know what they know when they got a good thing. And yeah, they know when they got a really good thing. So I'm I mean, I know Thousand Year Door is gonna sell gangbusters. I'm excited that I finally get to play it for the first time. I am Love really it. looking Love forward it. to it. And when I heard about Thousand Year Door, even I was excited because I have heard nothing but fantastic things about Thousand Year Door. Sure. And and once again. Nintendo has problems, but when they dedicate themselves to a remake or a remaster, they don't half-ass that shit. They full-blown was like, let's make this shit quality. They Metroid always make great games. Yeah, they Metroid always make great games. It's, a example. Yeah, it's yeah. a business that they're always really bad about. That's yeah. why we always come back, because their games are always incredible. They're always, they make the best yeah. games. It's just like, they don't know how to sell to people. No, no, no they don't. And uh, it's weird. I love you, Nintendo, but at the same time, it's I have this weird love-hate relationship that I just... God damn it, we all do. Shall we, we to state of play? Yes. So PlayStation State of Play. Other another uh, an, another thing that happened this week, same day as the direct actually happened a few hours later. Yep. Um, two major trailers. One of them for a game that's coming out this year, and the other big one, which was a showstopper that's coming out next year, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Oh baby. Oh yeah. That game looks Give like to me. That game looks like really fucking good. It <laughs> really like so wow, man! Like you gave a company <laughs> like the the first game incredible, right? I, I haven't beaten oh, yeah. it. I will beat it before before uh, this one comes up. But like the budget on this game, dude, and the set pieces, and like how like how like they are making it an open world. And I'm like, this Ooh. looks banana 
does. It's a PS5 game with two discs. And here's the thing. We talked about... we did a uh, Jedi Survivor review, which you guys will hear about soon enough. But we talked about how that game is 150 gigs, and it's one of the most poorly optimized games I've ever played. This game is 150 gigs on two discs. That is so much game. I, I, I'm never. That's insane. Like that's like that's bigger than Baldur's Gate. Like I'm. It looks incredible. Like truly. Like yo, man, we we got to do whatever we wanted with this one. It's a cra- It's crazy. Final Fantasy VII Re- uh, Rebirth. It is. I mean. People, because I remember when, like, when they obviously when they announced the remake, it took them a long time because it's like, hey, remix coming out. When if when it finally did come out, people were complaining like, oh, it's. Uh, I was like, oh wow, remake is only going for a little part of that. This game is never going to be finished. And then we played it, and they're like, never mind. You did some good shit. You did some really good shit here. The thing, we like the this. thing that that they did really well that I think people were most worried about is you're trying to you're trying to make a sixty hour RPG out of the first five hours of a game. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you expand on that? And they do it by just doing a lot of really great side quests and just exploring more of the characters and just, like, really engaging, uh, uh, like, side quests and side battles you can do for fun. Like, sure. it's just, it's all the ex- uh, all the extra stuff mm-hmm. that, like, you don't really need, but that the fact that it's there and it's really good makes you want to spend 60 hours in it. And and Nomura was able to, and not only Nomura, but the entire writing team behind Final Fantasy Remake was able to make characters that were essentially one-off. They're there for a single mission, and they die without consequence. You actually give a shit about them. Jesse, Wiggs, uh, Jesse, Jesse Biggs, Wedge. You care about all of them. Seeing Jesse come to terms that her dad is sick because he worked for Shinra. That's what brought her to work for Avalanche is because her dad got sick and Shinra's not doing jack shit about it. You go um, to her house and her mom gives you pizza? Yeah. What a lovely but also, lady. But, and also you see Wedge and Wedge is like, I just want to care for my cats. I just want to protect them. And he's... And even Biggs is like, I actually care about these characters. And they expand. Ba- Badger from Breaking Bad. He's got, yeah. he's got the red voice. I'm like, you're in a video game. What? Crazy. I know. That's, now that he's like one of the most famous video games ever made. And the fact that even they said, hey, we're remaking the story. It's not a 100% beat for beat story. That was the original. They're changing it. They are saying, this is a remake. We are There's remaking yeah, you got ghost stuff. Uh, there, I don't want to talk about it because, like you said, how far in the game are you? Are you like two final no, boss? Or... Mm. Yeah, don't see. Yeah, I'll get. I'll get to it. Don't worry. Don't I don't want to. Say, okay, there, a thing that happens that actually made me yell, "Holy shit!" Because it was like it happened to a major character and it wasn't supposed to happen. Because like a lot of times, like when the remake came out, because Square was treading a very thin line of how different do we make this game. What yeah. do we need to do? But they somehow found the secret sauce and everyone's praising Final Fantasy VII Remake. I am one of them. I absolutely adore yeah. this game. Rebirth looks like it's doing the exact same thing. It's like, it's it's stuff that you know, but it's different. And so it's sync, going to like impact the sync this attack you can do? Like the sync mm-hmm. attacks where like, it's like, it becomes like a cinematic double attack. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that got me wet, dude. Oh my you God. Cha- <laughs> and oh my God. you could change out characters. You could change it because in uh, original Final Fantasy VII, you're kind of stuck with the party and like you have to level them up when they're in a section of the story. Now it's like, oh, you want uh, Tifa, Aerith, and Red 13 and you're in the front line fighting and Cloud and Barra just chilling in the background. You could do that. Love that. I love that. That's 100%. At least that's what I can, I, what I can see. I want... Because I know in the original Final Fantasy VII game, as long as Cloud is in the party, Cloud always has to be in the party. Yeah. But I don't know if they are changing that, but if they are, cool. Uh, There's a dopey scene of him with his Buster Sword riding a Segway. I thought that was just hilarious. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you had the little red thirteen uh, ride trying to ride a bike like a human being. I'm like you're a dog. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Just this entire game looks incredible. I know we're gonna get that classic or that Final Fantasy VII like not convoluted story, but it's a story that has like a deeper meaning. And I am just so ready. We see Vincent Yuffie's part of the party because she um because her story was in Integrated, which I haven't played, which I need to play because I you know I got the PS5 thing. Um, I am just ready for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I am so excited. And of course, people are already losing their minds because I guess the director, he put out a statement, or one of the directors of the game, or director producer, I know it wasn't Nomura, he put out things like, there is a scene that fans are dying to see, and everyone's like circling the dying bit, thinking, oh shit, they're going to do everything. So they said where this game ends, Ben, and it's, 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 it is that moment. Mm -hmm. But like, I things could be very different for this game, as we know. Like they're doing the the Evangelion remake thing, where of like yeah. things are different. The further we get, the things get weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, which and that's which, really really exciting. Because I remember because they said that Final Fantasy VII is going to be essentially like a three game remake of the original thing. Yeah. Where because having two games in and you're at the end of disc one, I want to say they're trimming some of the fat, especially in discs two and three. Because yes. a lot of stuff in there, it is a lot of side stuff. It's stuff that doesn't really matter. So they probably, I hope that the team working on this had did like the Marvel approach, where it's like they have the entire story planned out. I've now we so. just need to worry about we'll just like take some of the criticisms and critiques of the last game, and then we'll incorporate that into the next game, like be gameplay wise, mechanic wise. But to say that I am hyped for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is an understatement. <laughs> Yeah, I was again because I because I, I stopped playing the game not for quality reasons, just like other things came up. But um, after seeing this trailer, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta get back to it. Because um, yeah. that, that, that seven remake is an incredible game, and like mm-hmm. they're just doing more of that in a bigger world. And I'm like, all right, um, this looks like an actual sequel. Where I'm like, yo, man, they're really going for it. Like they're not yeah. half assing this one. I've seen that that the seven remake tr- or the seven rebirth trailer. I'm like, I gotta get on playing tears and finish this so i could play the other games i want to play including final fantasy 16 and let's let's be tears sometime soon so we don't have to think about it ever again uh well i just got some news that my D thing got canceled today so guess what i'm doing later today gonna be playing some tears gonna be getting more hours of that so i can beat it and plays jedi survivor finally oh uh, <laughs> yeah we can you can join us for the review next week that you already did yeah uh but <laughs> look Final Fantasy VII, once again, Square, like Nintendo, they have their problems. They have their issues. They have made their fumbles. This is one where, um, this like this, and I want to say it was 16, where they put their heart and soul into it. We can get something amazing. We can get something yeah. fantastic. Now, I know there's people in the community who are like kind of flip-flopping a little bit, out and found, or not flip-flopping, but they're like, hey, 16 is good, but it could have been better and could have been great. It's me. It's, it's, um, it's me. Yeah. That game um, takes a hard, hard dip. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like 15. 15 started off great, took a hard dip, but I still love 15. 15 is one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I absolutely adore that game. Um, but with 7 Remake and with 7 Rebirth, I am just, obviously I'm excited. I've said it a billion times, but I am just so excited how Square is going to change what Final Fantasy 7 is, the story we all know. Because I will admit, as much as I really enjoy Final Fantasy 7, it's overrated. It's a little bit overrated. It's still a fantastic game. It's great. It's an early PlayStation 1 title. But if you look at the graphics for, say, I don't know, Final Fantasy 9, like the original graphics for 9, damn, they did something great there. 
that's a good you just got good bonus internet points ben because like nine is like the most like underrated one and people yeah. love that game and i mean once again i actually i have nine downloaded on my hard drive they they did a remaster for nine they upscaled it a little bit so i could play it on my playstation thanks yep. to my my playstation subscription and i am ex- and of course there's also a fan who because right you sent me that video of that fan who remade final fantasy nine and fans are championing for square to to give final fantasy nine or at least or final fantasy six is another one they champion to get the full remake treatment and i know we were kind of complaining about how nintendo is just re-releasing and remaking their old games but what's this is different this is yes. different. Yes. Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a thousand-year door situation. No, no, no. All. It is not. It is not. And as much as I want new Final Fantasy, as in I want, like, you know, Final Fantasy 17, 18, so on and so forth, if they were to look back at some of their older Final Fantasies, maybe the ones that aren't so well-beloved, say, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just take a shot in the dark. Final Fantasy II, not a beloved game. I mean, there are fans who like it. There, It's part of the Final Fantasy mythos. But if they were to take that or even the original Final Fantasy and just give that the remake treatment or the rebirth treatment, oh, that would be amazing. Ben, and I know Strangers in Paradise. Strangers in Paradise. I know. I know. Yes. I know. I haven't That's played the that Dark one. I, that is the Dark Souls. I've heard good things about it, too. I Once again, too many games. <laughs> True. So I I am looking for, obviously, we're all looking forward to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Brandon, are you mm-hmm. looking? Uh, do you think you could play Final Fantasy VII some point or no? No. Okay. What about Brandon? sixteen? Do you want to try sixteen? Okay, that's good. We got we got him there. We got him for sixteen. Cool. Uh, but yeah. Uh, besides besides Final Fantasy, I'll get off of my Final Fantasy VII hype train for a bit and go into let's go on the subway train in New York City to Spider Man Two new trailer. How do we feel? Obviously, the game looks fantastic. It looks amazing. It looks spectacular. Yeah, look, at all, look at all look at all that great Miles Morales carryover stuff. Ben, why don't you tell us about some of the stuff carrying over from the Miles Morales game into Spider-Man 2 that looks so good? You bastard. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 looks great. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 more more of the game I want. Uh, more of the villains I didn't know I wanted. I'm so glad. I just I what I want to meet Mysterio. I want to meet cool, cool man Mysterio. What you about? I want to see uh, where the, tra- the traversal obviously looks incredible. Um, the the answers to the questions we've been having about switching between the Spider-Man, um, it looks like it's it's going to be excellent. They're doing what they did in GTA ten years ago. Uh, oh yeah, the yep. map looks nuts. Uh, I'm I'm you're pumped. Going to, uh, this going game is going to own my life in the back half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not only going to Manhattan, but to Brooklyn and Queens, all both Spider-Mans in respective neighborhoods. Um, New the I just love how the, the transitions, because one of my favorite bits about the original Spider-Man was when he was like traversing, like he was just hanging out on the subway, like when you do fast travel. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to swing over there. I'll just take the subway. And he's like talking to someone or when uh, someone's agents, asleep on him. Yeah. Or like Sable's agents. And like, he's like hiding, like he's in between the cars, like hiding, like uh, this is awkward. Um, I just like how you like if you go when you go from Miles to Peter. Peter's just like laying on like the side of a of a building, just texting on his phone, and then he gets like a oh time to go to work, and he just gets up, and it's like this is just fantastic. You can apparently run into the other Spider Man in this game. Yeah, yep, uh, which yeah, I think is I great, and I I want it to be that way. I'm I'm really excited that I'm really excited about how it looks like they're executing this. It it looks like top tier. I kind of brought up that... some of the fast travel thing, and I just wanted to say that I really. I really like 
what it looks like the fast travel is. My issue with fast travel is that it's never faster than swinging. Um, I'll always take swinging over fast travel because it's just, uh, it just takes me a lot less time and it's more active. But it looks like it's instantaneous. Like this is fast travel because we're using the PS5. Uh, the PS5. Uh, you you say I want to go here and it will. You will be there. That's where you will be right away. Did and you play the really remasters cool. or Miles on PS5, Brandon? I played Miles, but I didn't play the remaster of Spider-Man. Okay. Gotcha. I'm just curious. One day uh, I'll play but, the remaster of Spider-Man. But I also yeah. played I also played Miles on the PS4 because I didn't have the PS5 when it when it came gotcha. when it came uh, out. Because the load times are better on PS5. That's for true. Those games. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. But yeah, this looks. looks uh, yeah, As Mark said, I'm really happy to see a lot of the carryover from Miles, especially the Friendly Neighborhood app. There's a couple of characters uh, that are coming back from uh, uh, from Miles, and I'm happy to see. Um, yeah, it, it looks exactly it looks like, it looks exactly like the game I wanted it to be. Yeah, oh. I'm really glad that um, Miles' surrounding cast of characters are also part of this game, and it's not just like, yeah, you're playing Miles, but like Miles is in a Peter Parker story. Yeah, no, it's about both of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm really grateful for that because like we got we got a lot of characters in the Miles Morales game that I want to see come come back to. Yeah. How funny would it be is like you're swinging by, you're swinging through New York and my, like say you're playing as Peter and Miles is swinging by and you go, "Hi Spider-Man." And he goes, "Hi Spider-Man." And you just like swing by each other. They I I assume that will happen because again, not not to bring up like an old game, but like GTA really like they revolutionized like this type of shit like uh, like with the three characters and like you would switch from from franklin to michael and when you switch michael would be throwing someone off a bridge and you're like what what did i just do or you wake up as, as trevor the drunk guy and you just be like in a trailer park and you and like three like women of the night would exit the place as you exit and it's just like that's really fun so every time you switch like they will be doing something instead of just like it's me now uh, is really incredible, really yeah. fun. This keeps it keeps it engaging, it keeps it lively. Uh, yeah. it, it'll be interesting in the long run to see, like, because there will be another Spider-Man game, and and if we have both Peter and Miles for that game, still, um, I still kind of want to see what you were pitching originally, multiplayer, this, which is multiplayer, um, and yeah. how they how they could incorporate that while keeping like a narrative game structure. I think you have to kind of make a commitment to like, this is my buddy who I'm doing the game with, and like you're like yeah. alternating actually beats to get up a to story. Terrible game, but a great comparison is God. Gotham Knights. Yeah. Because that is a game you can play with one, two, three, or four people, and the entire story is the same, whether you have one, one, two, three, or four people. Yeah. So, like, because uh, that is a multiplayer game. That is, sorry, a, a four-player game. You can have uh, computers or humans. So, like, I understand this one, them not wanting to make a multiplayer game, considering, like, it's something that doesn't really make, like, multiplayer stuff. Um, I think there is a huge opportunity for the future of, like, yo, we can, like, we can do some great multiplayer shit. Like, but I'm I'm not expecting it for this game. But like it is, yeah, yeah. it is a in dream. In the long run, have two two people being able to play Spider Man together in the same. Because the only way I can do that now is Marvel's Avengers, and that game uh, is uh, its servers are shutting off in a week. <laughs> yeah, uh, this looks this looks really great. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, exactly exactly what I was hoping it would make after Miles Morales. Um, at least it looks like 65 new suits. Very curious what they're bringing there. And, um, uh, some of them, more... I'll be honest, don't look good for no. both Peter and Miles. The the cool thing is though, they are doing again like uh, what a lot of games are doing now. Do you have um you have customizable like uh, shaders? Yeah. Destiny did this. Uh, that's what Destiny stands for, shaders. So like you can have oh you got the superior Spider Man suit, but you can make it blue or yellow or red. So like there's so much more customization for what your Spider Man can be, which is which is lovely. There's a lot of original suits. Um... Which obviously, because a lot of the a lot of the unoriginal suits did end up in the first Spider-Man game, so I'm very curious uh, what what if any have carried over, and then 
what are the new ones specifically. I'm not too plussed about the original ones. Like some of them are, are fine, I some think of them are not. But I'm so curious to know what they're doing. Yeah, it's great for that first game, but they had so many iconic suits, but they kind of bit themselves in the butt with having to make a sequel because <laughs> they put yeah. all the good suits in that first game, kind of. Um, yeah. And as far as I've seen, they're not, they are reusing some, but they are trying to, they're trying to make it a little more original, which is, which is fine. They got Chris Anka, who is like an incredible, he did, he did work for Spider-Verse and stuff. Like he's a great artist. So like, he's a great character designer, but like, after you've made like 200 different spider suits, like some of them are not going to walk through it, I bet. So like, you know, yeah. it, it comes with the territory. It's fine. Uh, Raimi's black suit Spider-Man, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Makes makes sense. Spooky um, time. Yeah. Okay. Venom. All right. Oh, um, hey, guys. Um, Noel is mentioned in the game, so the next game is going to be probably about all that shit. Okay. Cool. Hell yeah. Um, Doctor Who, though. It's the first full trailer for Doctor Who's 60th anniversary specials. Um, so we get a lot of more information of what, what they're doing. We get a lot more of the look. We have now confirmation that Neil Patrick Harris is playing a character called the Toymaker, uh, which was a character from 1966 who comically all or most of his episodes do not exist anymore because they burned up in a fire. Um, so it's actually quite funny that in this, in this, in this episode, David Tennant's like, I'm kind of. I remember something from long ago. Like he's kind of vaguely remember, like the memory is coming back to him because those episodes aren't accessible anymore. Um, but I think this looks incredible. Um, holy shit. Yeah. I know I've been off the Doctor Who train for a very long time. I'm always happy to see David Tennant back because I have watched a few episodes with him and he's amazing mm -hmm. as a doctor. But even though we didn't see a whole lot of him, I am excited to see Neil Patrick Harris play a bad guy. Like yeah. a like looks of it like a maniacal bad guy. And the I drama. am hundred percent for it. I mm -hmm. am like give give it to me. I I just, just if I could vamp for a hot second, just see Neil Patrick Harris in that like that circus ringleader style costume and where he's like do puppeteering everything. I'm thinking it's like he is taking whatever he did because I've seen clips of him voice Music Man from Batman Brave and the Bold. And I'm like, he's probably doing whatever he was doing with Music Man and he is just amping it up to 11. And I I, I want to watch this special just for, for Tenet and, and Neil Patton and PH. What'd he's amping it up to 14, actually. Ooh. I wonder if they're going to, if they're going to uh, confirm that the Toymaker is a Time Lord. Uh, that was the original intention, but the, those that, that that was never made clear because uh, they didn't have the word Time Lord until the second Doctor. Um, sure. Hmm. So I wonder if they're going to if they're going to do that uh, because that'd be interesting. Because obviously, like Neil Patrick Harris doesn't look like the original actor. Um, that'd be fun. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny, Sparks? Remember it in Twice Upon a Time when they recreate the his final uh dave bradley's final episode what if they recreate the toy maker episode with neil patrick harris and david bradley <laughs> that'd be interesting wouldn't that be fun um you know who you know who looks who looks really great um Catherine tate looks like she hasn't aged a day since the last time yeah. i saw her i saw it it's been 15 years yeah that's crazy uh i'm i the thing that struck me most about this is like oh wow doctor who has a doctor who has a budget Wow. <laughs> wow. This looks like a like and this is not me knocking Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who, but that show is cheap as shit, and that's not a problem. But this show has a budget. They got that American money, dude. Oh my god. They got that Disney plus. They got that Disney money, baby. 
Yeah, I'm I'm so stoked for this. I think it I think uh the budget is clearly on on display. I love I'm so glad Kate Stewart's in it. Um I'm so excited to see uh David Tennant with Kate. Um the, uh I I just it's it's Donna and the Doctor again. Uh I'm just so stoked to see them. The the two of them don't look like they missed a step. Um this the great bit where it's like the TARDIS left. Let's go kick its ass like <laughs> So Donna, um, I'm and so. It, it, the trailer so ends. It's like I'm not sure I can save your life. I'm like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. I know. Um, we do get a, a glimpse of Rose Noble, um, Donna's Donna's daughter. Um, oh, we don't yes. get a lot with her in this, but uh, that's pretty cool. Unit looks great. Uh, with the big giant unit building, like Stark uh, Tower. Yeah, this is this is really funny because. Uh, the Whitaker first season, um, the doctor calls unit for uh, the special. There's a serious problem happening to the earth. So she calls directly for Kate at unit and unit is currently being uh, defunded by the government at that point in time. Uh Yeah. So it's really funny that since then they turn around, (laughs) (laughs) they really turn around because, because at that point, at that point in time, it had been a while since the earth had encountered a threat. So they didn't think that unit was needed anymore. Mm, Interesting. Sure. Short they government officials. Because it's, I, I always forget that, like, everybody forgets that the Daleks invaded. Like, I forget that their memories are wiped of that. Oh, yeah, um, sure. I, I constantly forget that because, like, the Doctor more than once has to explain Daleks after that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you have to explain? Oh, right. They get neuralized. Nobody remembers. Big neuralizer. <laughs> um I still hold that I I think I really like David Tennant as the doctor. I don't love his new look, I'll be honest. Um he, I and I still hold that he should have regenerated in Jodie Whittaker's clothes. Um and had and then You're just and, talking about that. Did you see Davies comment on that? That he didn't he thought it would look ridiculous. Uh that he was he felt like uh in terms of thinking about drag culture, he felt like he was stepping into a realm that wasn't his place to step into. And I'm not agreeing with it, but it isn't a take I was thinking about. Sure. Uh I I Ryan and I talked about this off air, but um I would be more on his side if Whitaker had ended in a skirt or a dress of some kind. I'd be like suit. I'd be like, I kind of get you. I get that that would be like the the image going around is of David Tennant in women's clothing and how people would talk about it in that context and like i kind of get it but like whitaker's costume there's no reason david Tennant couldn't have regenerated whitaker's costume is really gender neutral like there's no david Tennant could have regenerated into it and then gone into the wardrobe and gotten his classic coat back like you didn't need to do this weird clothes regeneration thing uh whitaker is so funny whenever she makes an offhand comment around people about when she used to be a man um Uh, just just a sidebar in her first season she has a couple of like good jokes where she's like oh god like everyone nobody would be giving me any shit in this time period if i was a man and i would just be able to go where i want and do what i want to do and be able to run this and nobody would be questioning it and, like there'll just be a character they're like why does she keep saying like when she used to be a man <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i re- i'm really excited to see tenant take on the 14th doctor um because this is i want to see how obviously the doctor's personality kind of matches his faces and the and the actor kind of brings a lot of his himself and we talked about it like there's been talk that like time lord regeneration also changes your brain chemistry so theoretically if you regenerate into the same face you'd also regenerate the same brain chemistry so like i'm but i'm still really curious because i 
if you do watch all of Doctor Who from Eccleston to to um, Capaldi, you do still get the sense that it is one consistent person constantly changing and, and evolving and like that. And I'm so curious to see how Tennant takes what he did as the 10th Doctor and evolves it from having been the 11th, 12th, and 13th Doctor. Um, uh, that that's something that's gotten me really really interested. But you do kind of still get the like you know he gets slapped by Donna's mother and he's like here we go again, right. Um, it is an interesting way to play into the uh, opportunity they left themselves in the 50th anniversary with Tom Baker's reappearance Yes, as the curator. Yes. And he said, like, you can revisit old faces, mm. uh, implying that he, in fact, was a future version of the Doctor mm. that we hadn't met. Something um, I always liked about the 50th was when they did that. Yeah, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into this. And I'm, I'm really curious, like, there's no way Chudy only comes in at the end, like in the last half hour of the third special. So I'm really curious when we, when we're going to make the transition or the thing I'm more curious about is if there is something that's going to happen that we kind of get both for a moment of time. Oh. I think so too. I was thinking yeah. about this yeah, too been... because yeah, there's this, what, in, in the, in the first trailer, there's the, there's the shooting out way thing. somebody tell me what the hell is going on here. That kind yes. of moment. It doesn't feel like that's a moment from someone who had just regenerated. Yeah, because he knows what that's about. Yeah. So I wonder if I wonder if it is a case of we're going to see the two of them in the same scene at some point. Now there is another possibility that I, I've been thinking about, which is that Shudi Gotway is playing two characters in the specials, which is one is a regular person we will meet. And one is gonna be the new doctor because he Capaldi's Capaldi's told us how yes. he chose Capaldi's face for a reason and yeah. made that also canon. Oh yeah, so Chudy I wonder, could just be like a guy. So I wonder yeah. if Chudi is a character who perhaps will be involved in the story and leave an impression on the Doctor oh. and die and the Doctor will take his face. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Maybe. I like that. So we'll see. Uh, I've been wondering for a while because I feel like there's, you're right, in it, we're in the same page of like, just contextually in the trailers, it doesn't feel like he's being saved for the end. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really, I really think so. Uh, there, there's just so much in this trailer that I really, that I really love. Um, it, and it's really nice to be this excited about Doctor Who again, um, yeah. just in general. Like, there's just, there's just such a, there's just such an energy about this trailer that I kind of missed that uh, from Russell T Davies. Like, you can tell that Davies is back in this trailer because it feels like he did back then, but with a bigger budget. Um, yes. it, it feels like that kind of like kind of adventure story um that we're going to get back into into um and just you know hey man you bring back david Tennant and Catherine tate and i'm gonna be there i'll be there all the time I, i'm really excited that davies is back and doing his own thing he's he's made two comments that one is the the way that he's kind of elaborated on the uh changing the the outfit uh yeah. transition and that have uh, not sat well with me and made me like, I just don't like that this is kind of the way you're responding to these things. And the other one is that like fans talking about, are you kind of going to like feeling like he's going to wipe away Whitaker's era? Yeah. And he was, and his response to it was like, are you kidding? Her TARDIS is there. And I was like, that's not what they mean. And you know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and like, I, I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of crummy too. And like, I understand that like a lot of people are not big fans of the Whitaker era. Yeah. Um, for which probably more specifically should be referred to as Chibnall. They're not big fans of what Chibnall was doing with the show. Yeah. Um, and I kind of get it, even though I'm not done with it. But 
uh, I understand that those were people who were concerned that like aspects of what she brought are going to just kind of be forgotten. And I, I don't think that's true, but I didn't like the way Davies chose to respond to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was just like, they did physically change what the TARDIS looked like for her era. Um, and it's a cool, it's a good change. It's a little wider. The windows are different. It's, 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 a, it's a nice aesthetic change. And that's kind of the only thing Davies points to is he's like, the TARDIS is there. And I'm like, stop it. Uh, the interior would also be the same. Hopefully. I think it will be for a period of time. I don't yeah. think they're going to change it just for Tenant and then change it to Chudis. So I think it'll stay until whatever um, uh, Gotway's uh, doctor is going to be. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ryan? Uh, I, it feels like, and this is not me defending him, I promise. Um, like, I feel like maybe these these specials aren't going to so much deal with the past doctors and just deal with Tenant and, and Kate. I think so too. But the new season with, with Nshuti, it's like, if that is just, I'm a new doctor, F everything else, then that's a problem. That yes. will be a problem. But like for these specials, I'm not too concerned about that because no. it is doing something different. But I will be concerned if it is just we're wiping the slate clean with a new guy. That is disrespectful. To I mean, like there there is meant to be like a jumping on way, but like, you know, even Chibnall's stuff is carrying over aspects and yeah. talking about things. I mean, look, from previous. If, if Eccleston can be the ninth doctor making making Paul McGann canon explicitly, like you can, you don't have to erase Whitaker, everything that Whitaker did. Like, when they brought back Doctor Who, they had no reason to bring to to say that Paul McGann's Doctor would be canon, and yet they did. So, like, right. there's there's no reason, there should be no reason why you should wipe away, and you shouldn't because, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. It's it's bad optics, frankly, to be like, yeah, yeah. the the woman Doctor, that's the one that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think, like, they'll acknowledge what's important to acknowledge, but but not much other than that. I I don't think Unit actually comes back uh, until now. So mm -hmm. I do hope there's some acknowledgement of, like, during the Chibnall era, it was established that Unit was, Unit was being defunded. So how did Unit get back to this? Yeah. Um, I hope that's not just, like, Unit has always been this way, and it's like, no... No, the doctor did call Kate specifically and wasn't able to get through. It's just like Mission Impossible with IMF. Like they're getting shut down every other week. But this is but this is what I mean is I think it's those kind of elements where like there's not a lot that you have to carry over from yeah, doctor yeah. to doctor, but like things about how the world is shifting around the doctor, like Kate Lethbridge Stewart's connection to the doctor as referenced in Whitaker's era should still be yes. the previous interactions and references that occurred. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um do we think now Davies, I'm reading way too much into this, and I know this for a fact. Davies has said this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more coming. Do we think there are multiple doctors, previous doctors in this in the special? I I'm reading a lot into it, and that because of like yeah. that's the these types of anniversaries are very heavily. They always bring back pre previous doctors, so like I want to believe, but I don't know. I I, I wish that were the case. In my heart. I want to say yes, yeah, um, because I want there to be a way to reincorporate Eccleston as they wanted to, and um, I I love the idea of one day having a special that is Eccleston and uh, all the new era, so oh, Eccleston yes, and Tennant yeah. and Smith and Capaldi and Whitaker all together, and Tennant um, again, and, and <laughs> uh, I I want that. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't believe this is it. Just from everything yeah. I've seen, it doesn't, because, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. I think the big thing is because while it is a celebration of Doctor Who, it is also very much 
maybe not meant to be a jumping on point, but it is. But it is supposed to be a, a new launch. Hey, did you dip out after Tenant? This is a relaunch. Here you go. Way. Come on back in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that they're trying very hard to make it that. So leaning very heavily on the others just doesn't feel like the thing they're planning on doing. Yeah. Yeah. I always said that you can do you can so easily do, do an anniversary special with the new Who Doctors because you could just say that like the time war prevents the previous ones from from interacting with the later ones and in right. uh, one big kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm I realistically except in, I, except in audio dramas where it happens all the time. All the time. Um, I, 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 I totally, I totally am with you. I, I, I think you're right. I just, I, if it's not the sixtieth, when you know, like then it's, the then it's the seventieth. It's the seventieth, but I'm just a little hopefully, nervous. Capaldi won't make it. Hopefully, yeah. all those guys are still there. Well, there's a lot of young doctors in the new Who era. Capaldi ain't one of them. It's true. Yeah, I'll, um, tell, I'll tell you. I'll tell you honestly. Like, there's an opportunity that you could do this kind of storytelling in an unexpected way, which is you could do it on the 63rd or 65th anniversary. And I say 63rd because Doctor Who started in 1963. So you could do it that way and kind of be an unexpected celebration of bringing all of them in. So I'm not going to say it's a dead idea. I just, I'm not convinced it's here. And I kind of don't want to get, I kind of don't want to get my hopes up for it. And if it does happen, I will be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, but I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath for it. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Again, it's just I keep thinking like, if not now, then when? Um. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm really excited. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad this is going to Disney Plus. Uh, same day. Cannot wait to just turn on Disney Plus and watch some Doctor Who. Can't wait. Man, it's gonna. I I just the fact that it's on Disney, it's gonna attract so many more people than yeah. who've never I'm, never watched Doctor Who. Before. I am surprised that we still haven't gotten any clarification on Clara old doctor who stuff and if it's coming to disney plus or if it's staying on max or what the what what's going on i wouldn't be shocked if that's like a just like the license deal has to run out and that they will get it eventually yeah i'm just surprised that they haven't talked about it because we actually don't know when the license deal is over with max and we it's it's clear from the language about this that max will not get anything going forward so this stuff is not going to max and nothing else after it will i think it's like a netflix marvel situation or just it's going to be just some time before we get it and we also we also still want to know like classic doctor who too is that coming is that going to be here on disney plus because like all of doctor who has only briefly ever been in one place Mm -hmm. digitally uh available for for streaming access it'd be really great honestly it's what I want is, is is somewhere, and it's I'm totally happy if it's Disney Plus. I think Disney Plus can easily set up a wonderful hub that's like classic Doctor Who, current Doctor Who, and like you got your hubs and you break it down, and you got every Doctor uh, there, and you get to watch everything, especially oh, yeah. as they've been doing such a good job with the HD releases of classic Doctor Who. Yeah, currently uh, BritBox is the only place you can stream in America uh, outside of Pluto TV, but like you know you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Classic Doctor Who, so. Yeah, it was all together on Amazon for a brief time, and then brief wonderful anymore. time. Yeah, everything all right. before all the way to now. All right, that's it. Whoop whoop! Nothing whoop, more whoop. to talk about until uh, next two weeks. Um, yeah, maybe if the writer strike ends, we might just come back next week. Uh, but we'll see. There's still uh, the writer. The writers guild is not the one who asked for the for the for the boycott. It is the SAG after? So as long as they're uh, Guild is still on strike and asking for that. We are still withholding a lot of our stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, stay tuned, though. We'll see what happens. Uh, strange times ahead. All right, but that's it, guys. If you like this video, subscribe to this channel, please. Like it. 
subscribe, do all the stuff down there. Uh, there's plenty more stuff you can check out on this YouTube channel. Um, Fickner Book Club put up a ton of its archive material that if you want to check out, um, as well as uh, Unbelievable Gwenpool Volume 1, Believe It, and Waste of Space Volume 4. New episodes there and new episodes coming. Uh, Basement Arcade has Mortal Kombat 11, Part 3 and 4. Again, link below. Basement Arcade Pause Mini with uh, uh, Norman Bates Jr. Ellie? Ellie, yeah. Eli. Or Eli. Eli, Eli. actually. Sorry, Eli. Um, and, of course, Animation Station with Digimon Adventure Try, leading into Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kazuna. Um, so check out all that stuff. And then if you guys want to check out what's it been impacted by the strikes, what's strike compliant, what's not, uh, go to our website at fictionpodcast.com, which is also linked below, where you can also find links to where you can support us financially on TeePublic or Patreon, uh, which are also linked below. Um, we make it very easy for you guys, really. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to, to everyone who watches the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support, uh, no matter what, no matter in which way you give it. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for our musical themes you heard here tonight and all the music you hear on all of our shows. Uh, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore wreck of time. When the strikes are over, you can also find him uh, co-hosting The Real Score, um, which is also a show being withhold to the strikes. You can also check out his soon to be renamed podcast suburban proctologist mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh but that's still on the feed so you can check that out if you'd like at, or at facebook.com slash suburban proctologist official or instagram at subproc podcast thank you to mike patola mike patola who recently returned to a con but it wasn't one in california so sad but he is yeah. he's back we love him he's a great man uh did a couple of our logos a couple of collaborations over time you can find him at mike patola on instagram and tiktok uh, oh, and Threads. He's on Threads. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FickNerGuys.gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for AtomicGeekdom.com. Ben, where can people find you? Well, you can find me obsessing over some shiny cardboard with pocket monsters at BenMagnet27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and when we finally do come back, playing Mary Frankenstein in D and Dark. Holding into that October 11th date. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me editing like nobody's business as we've got spooky uh, book clubs coming out in the archives over the next few weeks. And we got Spooktober Gaming starting this Blah. next week. That's Blah. Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And Ryan? You can find me just frothing at the mouth, anticipating October 1st so I can become the spooky bitch that I was always meant to be at DJ Tony Snark everywhere. All right, guys, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Write and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, stay fake nerds. <laughs>